are listening to the Heavy Metal Hangover, where the beer is always cold and the music is always heavy. With your hosts wearing jeans and leather, not Cracker Jack clothes, Rex and Duff. Welcome to another episode of the Heavy Metal Hangover. My name is Duff. My name is Rex. And we are back. And we were not here last week, and it was entirely my fault. I was... Well, I mean, I didn't, like, pray to baby Jesus and ask to get really sick for, like, five days. Um, yeah, I would have asked for boobies, let's be fair. Um, well, not baby Jesus's, because that's just weird, but you know what I'm saying. Um, no, it was not my fault I got sick. Uh, but no, I was just, I was in really rough shape for a few days. It was just a, it was just a damn cold. But I was like, uh, I'm just not able to do this right now. Uh, you know, it's one of those times where, like, I would have been, I, it would have just been a coughing fit for half the time, and... No one wants to see hear me cough and clear my throat. And yeah. I remember sneeze. I remember I had COVID when I did the show a couple of like last year or it's two years ago. I don't know. Some yeah. point I had COVID when we did the show and I literally had to go through every like time I coughed. I marked it and I was like I was like blanking out like <laughs> and I'm like, I'm well, glad you didn't ask me to do that because I would have been like, nope, <laughs> we, we we've said this a hundred times because that, you know, when we. The original 250 episodes of the show that are no longer available. That was back in a time where we said the show must go on and we would always do it. There was one week in that entire time that an episode didn't come out, and it was actually it was my fault. Um, it was just a week that I I'm just like, dude, I just I'm, I can't do it this week. But when we brought the show back, one of the one of the deals was we're like, look, man, when we got a week, we can't do it. We're gonna take the week and we can't do it, and that's just what happens. And in my case, I was like, dude, I just I feel like. I just feel horrible, and it's just going to be a bad show. Um, I was sick a couple times earlier this year. It's, there's stuff going around here in the U.S., or especially like in the areas of the U.S., like the Northeast, where both both of us live, and you know the cold weather just it just causes havoc on everybody. Well, so. and, and you know I got to travel for work next week, and I was like, dude, I do not want to feel. I just I don't want to feel like ass, and not that not do it you know what I mean it doesn't matter I didn't I didn't heal or get I didn't get over the cold any faster but it was a simple fact of like if when I was sick I was able to rest more and that sort of thing it just helps me get rested up for next week and I I I, I like traveling for work as long as I don't do it I like traveling a few times a year it breaks up the monotony but on the other hand I don't want to do it all the time but um you know I'm fat and I don't like sitting in a tiny little airplane seat so hey you know we'll, we'll i mean I, I dude i've put a lot of weight on since uh since i came back from europe um it happens you know it's just, it's just the way my life goes i i will i'll put on a ton of weight then i'll lose a ton of weight <laughs> i always think of that scene of tommy boy i've got what's known as a little bit of a weight problem I've got what, yeah a little bit I, I, um what was it bear i used to claws. grab bear claws and they'd get lodged right in this region right <laughs> one here in, one in each hand to get lodged right in this region here um but, you know, I, I've put on a bunch of weight and like, dude, I'm, I'm already envisioning the fact that I'm going to have to just walk on the plane and look at this, look at the stewardess and go, I'm going to need one of those extenders for the <laughs> seatbelt, man. I'm going to, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to need one. Cause when I put weight on, it just goes straight to the gut. You know what I mean? Like, like, like no other part of my, of my body. You know what I mean? It's like nothing else got bigger. Well, sorry. No, no. Sorry, Vinny. <laughs> nothing else got bigger on him either. But, um, 
It just goes straight to the gut region. I was like, God, dang it. So I, I know I'm just going to walk out and go, all right, just give me, give me the damn extender because I'm fat. I'm going to need it. Um, Shout on. <laughs> you know what? Whatever. Uh, I, I gained it. Who cares? My doctor might. But you need to walk in. You it. need to walk in and be like, because I'm the king of cellulite. Ham on. <laughs> Ham on, ham on whole wheat. Yo, ding right. dong, ding dong, <laughs> yo. I think I got another slice here somewhere. <laughs> I, I, I totally, I totally need to. And I'm totally not exaggerating either. It's like, dude, I just put a ton of weight on. But, dude, I work from home. It happens. You know what? Eh, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll lose it. I'll lose it this year. It's, it doesn't stress me out too much. Other than, you know, oh, excuse me. Let me squeeze into that seat. What I should do is I should just be a total dick and purposely always sit in the middle seat. Because if I purposely sit in the middle seat, then I get to totally screw over the people on both sides of me. Like, you know, if you're fat and you sit next, to, if sit in the window seat, you can kind of scooch over a little bit up closer to the window so you're not, like, taking up half of the person next to you's space. But if you sit in the middle, dude, there, there's no scooting in one direction or the other. You're just screwing both people, you know? It's like, a, it's, like, it's, like an, it's like an airplane threesome that you don't want, you know? Anyway... We'll see what happens. It'll it'll be a good time. So, um, I, I got to throw this out, man. There are there are we we're, we've got something we want to talk about today, and it's it's going to be a cool episode topic. And we will do our picks of the week, and then we'll we'll do the episode topic. And it's a cool episode topic. And I'm glad that we're doing the episode topic. But there are two topics for this episode. That I got to tell you, I'm kind of sad we're not doing. And the first of those two is we are not doing an episode tonight of songs for Carl Weathers. Well, I couldn't think of a topic like, you know, I mean, the only the only thing I could the only thing I could think of was, you know, you could do songs for Dylan, but then it would only be two songs. It'd be Nazareth's Hair of the Dog and it would be um, uh, Except Son of a Bitch. <laughs> Dylan, Dylan you, you son, son of, of a, a bitch. bitch. If you haven't, I mean, by the way, I'm not calling Carl Weathers that. Um, if you haven't seen Predator, no, Predator, you need to rectify that immediately, and you'll understand. Um, when Carl Weathers, mention- when Carl Weathers first joined Twitter, like he, I, I used, I used to use Twitter a lot, like a lot, and then I stopped because I got sick of it. But th- when he first joined um, Twitter, the first thing I tweeted at him was, "Dylan, you son of a bitch." <laughs> And he actually responded back to me. <laughs> All he said um, was like, are you talking to me with a laugh emoji? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I mean, uh, th- that is the second coolest part about the movie Predator, of course. What, is the handshake or the Dylan, you son of a bitch? <laughs> no, that, that whole scene is the second coolest part of, of Predator. The coolest part yeah, about Predator is what the one guy has to say about his girlfriend. Yeah. I didn't, you know, the echo, the echo, the echo. That, and then, dude, and I, then I, I, dude, when I was in high school, I was obsessed with that line. I was obsessed with that line of. of I know of you that were movie in high school. Oh, um, although, and then the third coolest part is where he throws the knife at the guy and goes, "Stick around." Um, and then the fourth coolest uh, part of that movie is Sonny Landham, my my brother, not my literal I mean, brother, but my 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 Native American brother. Then, then we could do. You know, we could do songs for Carl Weather on Carl Weathers on Arrested Development, where or he played himself one. and he was extremely extremely cheap, and how like you know that whole oh I wrote it down I wrote it down I wrote it down I always screw the quote up it's um uh when he goes he's like 
Uh, whoa, whoa, there's still plenty of meat on that bone. Take this home, throw it in a pot, add some broth, a potato. Baby, you got a stew going. Like, he was so funny on that. Then then we could do Carl Weathers in Happy Gilmore, you know. I mean, there, we could we could do this, you know. Win hands Songs down. For, <laughs> win hands down. See? I mean, we could figure out how to make use your third arm work for that somehow. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and then, of course, there's the, le- the, the his probably his most well known role all around has got to be Apollo Creed. I, I didn't hear a word you said. I'm going to assume you said Apollo Creed. Yeah, I said I don't. You might, maybe I cut out for a second, but I said his most well known role is you know obviously Apollo Creed. Right, right. Yeah, sorry, it was just breaking up on my end. I didn't hear what you said, but I just was assuming that's what you were getting at. But I mean, there's I mean, just, there's so many. Dude, that 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 when he comes out in Rocky Four to James Brown's Living in America, it's like the if you're it's like the coolest moment ever. Oh, I agree. I agree. Living in America. Yeah. I mean, okay, look. Rocky two is kind of eh. Right? In the first four Rocky movies, like one, three, and four are just amazing. Rocky two is cool. Two is a rehash of one except for Rocky wins. Right. I mean, I don't when I when I'm watching my when I when I'm doing a Rocky marathon, I don't skip part two because I don't hate it. It's just you know, it's it, it's kind of unnecessary. But the only thing I skip is five. Whatever. I pretend that I pretend that it Whoa. ends at four. Oh. <laughs> Dude, I don't even talk about. I don't even mention. I I don't even say that. that I, I just say I refer to it as the movie after four and before Rocky Bubble. I don't even want to say the name of the movie. It's so bad. It's a com- the nice thing is they didn't retcon it, but you can retcon it. You can totally retcon that movie without. I mean, they basically did. Actually, he, he couldn't box, well, and then okay. suddenly he's like thirty years later, and he can. Like, <laughs> you're well, older now, so now so, you can box. Like, like, here, here's what I mean, um, though. In that movie that I won't mention the name of, you find out that he goes broke because essentially, like his lawyers and accountants screwed him, and he lost all his money. That's the only thing important that happens in that movie is that Rocky loses all his money because of, of, of an accountant. In Rocky Balboa, clearly he is not rich anymore. He owns a small restaurant, but he talks a lot about his wife and how she battled you know, a disease. And they don't tell you, like they don't ever mention that Rocky lost his money because of they just don't mention it. So if that movie didn't exist, you could just put two and two together in your head and go, "Wow, what happened to all of Rocky's money? Oh man, I bet you he spent it all on trying to cure her." You could yeah. totally just do that in your head, and it doesn't need to happen because Rocky Balboa is an amazing movie, an amazing movie, one of the best of the series. Legitimately, it's a great movie. Creed one is okay. Creed two is a great movie. Um, you just got to yeah, forget I- that that. You gotta forget the other one exists because it's but Apo- Apollo Creed, dude. Rules. It's Godfather I mean, three bad. It's Nightmare on Elm Street Apollo- two bad. It's bad. But Carl bad. Weathers was awesome. You know, I, I don't even know. Like, oh, the American way would work for. Although it's kind of the, the message of the song is a little, the opposite of what Apollo stood for. But you know what I mean. Um. Anyway, so um, you know, we we were gonna do that, but you know, we didn't have enough time to throw the show together because we. I literally found out that Carl Weathers, um, um, died. Uh, like this afternoon 
Um, but anyway, yeah, we, we just found out today that, you know, that Carl Weathers died. It was this afternoon. There's no way we could actually, like, um, that's the kind of topic you have to put a show together for. You can't just, you know, you, you don't want to just roll with it because you don't, you don't want to screw that kind of thing up. Um, and, you know, in, in old school heavy metal hangover fashion, I got to tell you, because I'm the worst person in the entire world, I wanted to do an episode of Songs for Vince McMahon and just make it a list of crappy songs. And if you don't know why I say that, be happy you don't know why I say that. And if you do know why I say that, you're not happy as to why I said that. And I probably shouldn't even make fun of it. And I'm not making fun of it. But he's horrible, and it would just make sense. Um, but we're not going to do that. We're not. That would just be wrong. Um that would be an episode we might get in trouble for. I don't think we'd get. In, no one cares. <laughs> I think anybody cares enough about our about our show to get us in trouble. You know. Well, uh, <laughs> famous last words. Yeah, but, you know what though? Yeah, but the, the one time we we did the one time we didn't get in trouble, but we got in some hot water, had nothing to do with our show. That's true. <laughs> had nothing to do with our show. It had to do with something else that was not even. It had nothing. It had nothing to do with our show at all. Um, it had to do with our our show's stuff but it wasn't our show no one is gonna listen no one cares we don't you know it's like it's like you know you the the big lawsuits go against mcdonald's not joey's burger stand who has three customers a year you know i mean that's we have we have two female listeners and about a half a dozen guys that that drink beer and listen to our show you know what i mean like it's not no one no one cares um but i do think crappy songs for vince mcmahon would be good and um, I say crappy because I can't say the SH version of it, which would make a lot more sense. Um, I don't want to explain why, though. Uh, I don't think I need to. Anyway. Um, so, so anyway, let, let's get back. Why don't we go ahead and do our picks of the week? Then we'll get into our, our, an actual topic and see how this goes. Why, why don't you go ahead and give me your pick of the week? Okay. My okay. pick. Okay. Okay. My pick of the week is Ghoul's new EP, Noxious Concoctions. Um, cool. I only I listened to this twice, two or three times today. I got it. I got it today in the mail, and it's really cool. Uh, basically, it's Ghoul. I mean, if you like Ghoul, you'll like this. You'll like this. Uh, this album. Um, I like the last thing they put out was their live album. I was thought it was really cool, really neat. Um, I'm excited. They're playing here in Brooklyn with uh, with Municipal Waste. I don't know if I'm going to make it out there. I think I might. It might be on a night where I'm just can't get out to Brooklyn, um, but I'm going to try try to get out to Brooklyn to see them. Um, I think it's later later this month. I believe they're playing in Brooklyn. So, and then in April, deceased is playing at the same place. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to try my best. But, anyways, Ghoul's Noxious Concoctions. It's only about five songs, but it's really cool. I think you know. So check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. If you like ghoul, if you like that type of like, it's funny. It's like guar, but like with a harder edge. Um, it's like guar, but with an engine. <laughs> That's um, funny. But uh, you know, so check it out. Ghoul's noxious concoctions. It's a fun time. Um, my uh, okay. So I just saw something really weird that I did not know. Uh oh. Um. When you no, no, say no, no, that, no, that no, means no. something Joel, weird. <laughs> no, 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 no. Joel Hoekstra is joining Accept. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know if he's just doing it for a tour. 
That's kind of weird. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I Joel Hoekstra, if you don't know, he plays for Whitesnake, and he's um, the one of the two guitar players in the East version of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. He's played in Night Ranger and Foreigner and uh, other bands. But um, all right, I just saw it pop up. I was like, oh, hey, Joel Hoekstra, you're uh, – I, I, I have to assume it's just for a tour. I mean, I'm not reading this article, right? But I have to assume it's just for a tour. He's not, like, joining except. Um, I say that because, like, him playing in Whitesnake, that makes sense. But if he's joining except what he's, he's playing the rhythms, you know what I mean? Like, like I can't see Joel Holkstra being in a band. And, look, you're like, well, it's except. Yeah, but except's not that big. Especially, like, in the U.S. They're not playing, you know, huge venues yet. I saw them in, um, you know, uh, uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, in a small club. I mean, they're not. Saw them in Charlotte in a small club. I mean, they're not. They're not playing in huge places in the U.S. Um, anyway, sorry. I just wanted to throw that out. Yeah, uh, Joel Holmstra <clears throat> joining. Except, kind of cool. Uh, he's awesome. Very, yep. um, very, uh, a very entertaining guitar player. He's one of those guys. He does the rock star. He does the rock star guitar player pose. Like, he's one of the best at it. He really is. He's, he's just, he's awesome. Um, anyway, my pick of the week was actually my pick of the week the last time, and we forgot to talk about it. And by we, I mean me. Uh, I just completely forgot to mention it. We went off. We were having fun with the topic. And when it was all said and done, I didn't see it. But the other nice thing is I don't have a pick of the week since this one, so it all worked out. Uh, in the long run, my <laughs> well, pick of the week. But is, luckily, Plant World was okay with switching, <laughs> so it all worked out in the end. Um, <laughs> Every time you do exactly that, because you, you always do that, it's, it's it, so everything worked out in the end. I always think of that. So Plant World didn't want to switch at first, <laughs> but Cooking World first. They didn't like our ten thirty time slot. <laughs> I love. I love that whole. That whole bit is just awesome. Um, yeah. So anyway, it worked out. My pick of the week, albeit a, a it should have been my pick of the week my, two weeks ago. It is now. That is Saxon with Hell, Fire, and Damnation. Rex, go ahead and say it. Oh, you got to go to the annual Saxon concert. Uh, as long as I have known Rex, I've never been able to mention the band Saxon without him saying that. So I wanted to make sure I left you. I just let you say it now so that. You know, you don't you don't feel obligated to later. Yeah, for a hot minute, um, I forgot you were talking about Saxon. Yeah, it's okay. You, it, um, actually, a friend of mine said because I told him last week, I was like, "Yeah, I can't record." He's like, "Well, dude, just tell Rex to get it to get an a, an AI version of you." I was like, "Yeah, it'll work." He's like, "The AI version of you would just say hi. I am Duff person. I like lady boobs." And I was like, "Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's all it would have to do, and we could just end the episode. It would be it would be great." Uh, I am Duff person. I like lady boobs, uh, which I'm looking at right now because I always watch filth when I'm recording. It helps helps keep me on my toes, you know. Uh, but yeah, so my my pick of the week is Hellfire and Damnation by Saxon. They're another one of those bands that have um actually fit in today. Actually, tell me if I'm crazy on this. This band has albums that fit on today's topic, like, really well. Yeah, I mean, pretty much all except, you know, maybe 
maybe one. They have one, maybe one album that is like. But oh, dude, I mean, in general, in the U.S., Saxon is not a band that you often. They don't make the conversation. I guess is what I'd like to say. Yeah. If you talk to people about Saxon, right? If you talk to people about Saxon, people that know Saxon. Which, in fairness, if people that are a little bit older than us, you know, who grew up with metal in the '80s or whatever, they they probably liked Saxon. They they were they were one of those bands, but they're just not one that you hear in the conversation. What I mean is, when they're talking about the 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 great heavy metal bands, you just don't hear them. You know, it, well, I'll put it this way: it's kind of like when you talk when they talk about like great the all time great rock bands. You you know everybody immediately is going to mention, you know Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin, but Rush is never in the conversation. They've sold over 150 million albums or something like that. They were they had, you know, like a dozen a dozen platinum out al- or whatever. Like it's it's obnoxious how successful Rush is and how big they were. But you know they're just they're they're off the beaten path from the regular conversation. For some reason, Saxon is is a, is, a, is an appreciated band. I don't want to say they're they're underappreciated. I don't really say they want to say they're underrated. They're not underrated because anybody who knows Saxon, I've never heard anybody say a bad word about them. Like anybody who knows Saxon is like, oh yeah, they, those guys kick ass. But they're just not part of the conversation. They're not one of the like like when you when you when you walk your metal self into the room. And you know you you're setting your cards down on the table. Why they're just not one of the bands people set down. You know they'll 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 they'll, they'll come in they'll come in wielding you know they're they're like I'll I'll see your Iron Maiden and I'll raise you and accept like no one like in the in the heavy metal trading card game Saxon isn't a it's the card you put in your deck. I don't know how to say it like it's. They're just so, they're just not that band, and it, it it's it sucks because they're so freaking good. And this album is freaking good. And it's heavy. It's like, dude, the playing is super tight. Biff's vocals are awesome. It's just it's a great freaking record. It's a great album, and everybody listening to the show should get this damn album or at least listen to it. So it's some, an incredibly good album. Something interesting Biff said recently, and it's it's kind of I fifty percent I fifty percent can could see where people could agree with him. I fifty percent think he's out of his freaking gourd. Uh, he said that Ghost and Amani Marth are not metal bands. So I think what does he consider them? Is what I'm curious because Amon, I know he's good friends with the guys in Amani Marth. Like I know he's good friends with them. So my my they've toured together. They're friends. Well, I, and again, I don't think he's trying to be insulting. But he, I think he, and I forget what the context was, but I think he considers them basically pop rock bands. And here, here's what I, here's what I'm wondering, right? So like, I Ghost, you could easily make a case for Ghost. You know, their first album, you could say, well, it's Doomy. You know, it sounds like Saint Vitus or Pentagram, old Pentagram, and stuff like that. Okay, yeah. As they've progressed throughout their career, and I'm not here to debate is ghost metal, is ghost not metal. That's not what I'm trying to enter into this. But I'm simply saying, yeah, you know what? I could I could somebody said, you know, ghost isn't metal, my response would be, all right, you know, like whatever. I don't care. Whatever. Amani Marth, though, like, I just you know, I, I, I don't like are is it because they're popular? Like he really didn't kind of explain why 
he just kind of said, well, you know, he or he at least didn't do a good job. Like, is it because they're popular? Because is it because they toured together recently? But like, I, I'm like, regardless, it, it's it's hard to like. I'm sorry, dude. I'm gonna say this out loud. I'm gonna say it. Yes, I I I, I know Saxon is metal. But like, if you were to show me, if you were to show your average like teenager Amani Marth and show them Saxon and say which one of these two bands is metal, I promise you they will not say Saxon. They're gonna call you know, Saxon a classic rock band. There's there's one way to okay. So there's a couple of ways that you could that you could look at this argument. One is that it's an era thing where Saxon's gonna say heavy metal is Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Dio, whatever. Like, 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 I, like heavy metal is what happened between the late 70s and mid-80s. So, therefore... Well, does that mean Imani that Exodus Martha's, isn't metal? Does that mean that Slayer isn't metal? Here's what I'm saying, though. Hear me out. Whatever. Whatever era you want to talk about it. So, if he wants to say that we're metal... And Imani Marth isn't metal simply because they're just a different thing, right? Um, and there was a well, it's death metal. But you, you, what I'm getting at is, if you're using heavy metal, like okay, oftentimes people would say Saxon is what classic metal, maybe right? Yeah, classic like metal being your priest, your Iron Maiden, your. So if what we think of is again, dude, we're, we're being genre idiots, but. Um, if we're if we're saying that what we consider quote unquote classic metal, actually though, actually, if you look at today's when they when they split things up with genres, there's thrash metal and doom metal and power metal. They atter- they attach the term heavy metal to the classic bands. Yeah. So so in fairness, but I don't think he said heavy I, I metal. I think he said metal. Let me let me, I'm gonna look it oh, up. Well, I'm gonna look oh, it up. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm simply saying. I mean, I I guess. But there's something interesting about Imani Marth. And um, Vinny and I were talking about this the other day, and and we 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 both feel that there's one thing that Imani Marth is death metal with pop sensibilities. They're a death metal band who writes pop songs. And I know that sounds silly here, to say. Here it is. Here's the exact quote. There's been some bands. Amani and Martha are doing really well. Ghost have gone stratospheric. They're not really metal, but they've got metal roots. So it definitely can happen if you've got the right songs. You've just got to have a lot of luck. A lot of talent and a lot of luck. I mean, that quote to me, and look, I'm, well, they, that quote to me was, comes was off the, as sour the, grapes. Was that they're not really metal. But they have metal roots. Referring, no, no, no. Hold on. Was that referring to Ghost? Ghost and Amani Marth. I know. The way it's written, it sounds like he's saying Imani Marth have done really well for themselves, and then Ghost, who aren't really metal, have done really well for themselves. Maybe. But send me a link. Hey, that could be it. I mean, like that no, may, no, you know, saying, it also could be the, the headline. Because you know, I guess maybe it's poorly worded because the headline is Biff Byford, Imani Marth and Ghost are not metal. Yeah, let me read the actual quote. Hold on. So I guess it could go either way. Maybe it was just poorly worded. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is me. It says, Ghosts have gone really stratospheric. They're not really metal, but they've got metal roots. Man, I read this as he's saying Ghost isn't really metal, but they have metal roots. I don't read that as he's saying Imani Marth aren't metal. 
All right, so the, the headline threw me off because the headline already planted it in my head what he was saying. So I do see your point. I do yeah, see your like, point now. Because he's talking about, they're saying the rocker also went to discuss the possibility for metal bands to achieve success today. He's saying there are some bands that are successful. Amon and Martha are doing really well. Ghosts have gone stratospheric, but they're not really metal. Okay. I, I am 1,000% telling but you. But the headline above that, that, if you read it, apparently know, Ghost and Imani is, Martha are some of them, but they're not really metal. So, like, that, right, that because so. Because it's clickbait. The article, clickbait the article. Crap. So, okay, you know what? I Now that I'm reading it with your context, I can totally see that. Like, he was totally just not putting his thoughts together correctly or not, like. And I, no, I mean, I, I would need to, I would need to actually listen to. I would have to actually yeah, if he, listen to if you you'd have to hear if he said they're not really metal or they're not really metal, you know like you like it's it's the old uh, it's like I know you don't watch Seinfeld but there's that old like when Jerry wasn't sure he, if he was invited to a party or not and it was like well how did he say it did he say why would he bring anything or why would he bring anything because that that'll tell me if I'm invited right, or not right, right. you know what I mean so so uh, I am I am telling you um, I would have to. I'd have to watch the video, but I am okay. willing to tell you. You know what? I think you're right. Uh, I, I probably am because, because, because okay, let, me put it this and way. let me put it this way. The headline there, and the article steer you in that direction, and I think I fell victim to that. Yeah, it's clickbait bullcrap. Um, here, let me see if I can find a better trying to find the quote. I mean, I always do my this my we... thought was like in Biff Byford's mind that like only classic metal bands are metal. And look, I and look but bottom line is this too. By the way, I'm not angry about this. I actually was interested in seeing his rationale. Like by the way, yeah, there's so there's neither, actually neither of us are sitting here being like no genre way. jerks about it or anything, you know. There is no way he's saying Immortal Marth aren't metal. There's no way. He, he's literally saying I th okay, so he, the, it uh, sounds to me like the interviewer poorly transcribed his words. Yeah, I'm reading it off. It says he's asked if he thinks it's possible for a metal band to skyrocket in this environment. He says, and I quote, I think it's possible. Yeah, there's been some bands. Amon and Martha are doing really well. Ghosts have gone stratospheric. They're not really metal, but they've got metal roots. Dude, he's saying ghosts are not metal. Yeah, there, there is. There is no way he's saying Amon and Martha aren't. Okay. Uh, if you read, if you read the way he's saying it, yeah, yeah, you know when you when you fair. when you can can metal bands get popular? Yeah, Amon and Martha's doing it, and then you have Ghost, but they're not really metal, but they've got metal roots. Got it. So like, yeah. I actually think I think he's saying Amon and Martha is metal, and I think he's saying he's being positive about about Ghost yeah. by saying yes, maybe they're not exactly metal, but they have metal roots. So he he's even acknowledging, you know, the or ghost metal. He's even saying, well, maybe they're not, but they've got metal roots for sure. So I think it's the opposite of sour grapes. I think he's, um, yeah, you know, I think like once also, he was once also you, talking about once how, you like, like say that, in, I can in, totally in see where day, you're coming from. Yeah. yeah, like in his day, it was bands could make it. It's it's not it's it's harder for bands to make it now, um, but I mean, like I said, yeah. So he was definitely. Uh, definitely not saying um, again that dude that that is a great example of clip bait bullcrap. Um, like like blabbermouth lists this article as Biff Byford says, "quote There's been a, a massive resurgence in metal." 
then then they ask him about bands skyrocketing. Um, yeah, yeah, he's 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 not saying Amon Amarth is a metal, um, especially and like because I don't know him and Amon Amarth are friends, dude. They just did a collaboration on the last Amon Amarth album. Um, dude, I did. I will tell you though, I did see an interview with Biff talking about that. Because you know how on the last Amon Amarth album they have the song called Saxons and Vikings. Mm-hmm. He was like, he was like, well, they're doing a song about Saxons. He's like. Well, clearly the band had to be us. You're not going to have Iron Maiden singing about Saxons. It's like, all right, that's kind of cool. You know, I mean, he was just being silly, but <coughs> um, all things aside, I mean, it's a great record. And they're, they're just, I don't know, man. They're, they, they're a band that should have a seat at the table. They, sh- they should be in the legendary. And, and dude, I think they are in some people's minds. I'm not saying they're not. But in my lifetime, they're just not a band that would get brought up very often. When I would talk to people about metal bands, it wasn't often that someone would mention Saxon. Now, if someone mentions Saxon and someone says, you know, like denim and leather, then everybody in the room who's heard it's going to be like, yeah, that's, that album's awesome. Then everybody else in the in the room hasn't heard it. But why are they not? Why are they not like? What are the greatest metal bands of all time? Like people, people are all gonna. You know, you're going to hear the same, you're going to hear Metallica, whatever, but you're going to hear, you know, you're, you're going to hear your Judas Priest, you're, whatever, you're going to hear those. Um, Saxon's just never been on that list, or or maybe they were for a time, but they seem to not, I mean, they're, they're a big band, they're certainly big outside of the U.S., maybe, maybe it's just a U.S. thing. Because, dude, in fairness, Deep Purple wasn't big in the U.S. Deep Purple was never big in the U.S. Deep Purple was huge in Europe, not in the U.S. They had, you know, Smoke on the Water was a big song, and so was Highway Star. But realistically, after that album, after Machine Head, no one talked about Deep Purple in the U.S., that's why Lars Ulrich was such like because Lars Ulrich was a huge Deep Purple fan because you know mm-hmm. he grew up in Denmark, um, but they were they just they they were not part of the they were not part of the conversation in the U.S. for all of those all those albums in the seventies how great those things were so they were just they were not a big thing here but anyway Saxon should make the list and if you have not heard Hellfire and Damnation you got to listen to this damn thing because it's amazing so anyway. you know it's it's. Uh... Actually, it's ironic. Not only do you have Hellfire and Damnation, but uh, you got your box today, right? I did. So you got there was a Saxon album there for you too. I did not open it, but yes. Yeah, there's a there. There was uh, what, what Saxon album did I send you? It wasn't Wheels of Wheels of of Fire. It was. I don't remember because I didn't open the package. It was the one that's like blue and purple, or pink, blue and pink. Um, oh man, I hate to say I didn't open the package, but that's just because it's sitting upstairs. And I got it when I was working, and then I was going to bring it downstairs, and I just didn't. Um, and I realized that when I got downstairs, I'm like, damn it, I didn't know. Power it. and the glory. Power and the glory. It wasn't wheels yeah. of steel, it was power and the glory. That's what I, uh, yeah. Saxon's just annual awesome. Saxon concert. You know what I mean? They're just one of those bands that you can just throw it on, you can throw a Saxon record on it. It's going to be cool. Denim and Leather is still my favorite album, but. Well, yes, because Denim and Leather is just, it's a classic album. So, you know. You know, part of what we we're part of what you were talking about there is really kind of what the bulk of the show was meant to be about. Um, but I, I did want to mention one thing before we get into the main show. Uh, I'm super excited 
Um, I, I okay. We always talk about shows and stuff we're going to. So I bought tickets. First of all, I bought tickets to go see Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper with Ministry and Filter opening. With... With 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 Alice Alice Cooper Alice Cooper we're not worthy we're scum we suck. Um, actually, it's you're funny worthy, because you're worthy. You can Get up. you can buy you can buy a meet and greet with Alice Cooper, and I'm sure it's super expensive, but it would be so worth it just to do that. I mean, granted, I'm and sure about a billion and one people yeah, have done say, that to him before. I wouldn't at least do one it. person at every but, show is but but, that but listen to me, like I wouldn't do it for his benefit and thinking that I was original. I'd do it because. I'd want it videotaped that I did it. <laughs> and I'd wear my Wayne's World hat, too. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I might wear my Wayne's World hat. Um, should. Anyways, but uh, so that's one thing. And the second thing is uh, late February. So I got an email um, for a friend of mine sent me actually a screen cap of it. Uh, Ace Fraley was going to be in New York City signing records. He's, his new album's coming out. And, and there was a limited pressing of 500 copies of his new album. And Sam Ash in New York City was going to have those 500 copies. And then you had to buy it. But the, the, the trick is you can't have it shipped. You have to go into the store and pick it up. They literally said, if you don't pick up this record, you will be refunded. They cannot ship it. They won't ship it. But the thing is, if you go into the album, Ace is going to be there signing the record. So um, I'm excited because late, late February, I get to go to Sam Ash in New York City and I get to meet Ace Fraley. It'll be cool. Um, and, and by the way, everybody listening to the show needs to message him and tell him he needs to get Ace Freely's autograph on his chest. Well, he won't so do he it. Go get like, it the, they flat so out he said, can go get it. Ace is only right signing now. his albums. Like they flat out said, don't bring Kiss stuff. Don't bring. They said he's only signing his albums. Um, but it's cool because I mean, it's like my Dimebag Daryl moment. Like I've I dig Ace Freely. Um, you know, so I've kind of I'm kind of working backwards now. I met Dimebag years ago, very 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 briefly. Uh, now I get to meet Ace. I'm jazzed. It's gonna be cool. I get a record. I, am, I get I am signed. Not doing, I'm not doing a. Um, uh, I'm not doing a meet and greet with Ace Freely, but I am going to see him. Uh, I'm going to see him live on April 12th, and I have literally front row center um, because it's at a theater who doesn't use Live Nation, and so right when the tickets went on sale, you could just buy them. And all the tickets on the one level were the same price. Didn't matter if you were front row or last row. And I went, well, okay. And I clicked on it at exactly the time they went on sale. And because it wasn't Live Nation, I was able to just buy the first ticket available. And it's front row center. So that's kind of cool. He's playing here. It's not because I was cool. It was because you're able to do it. He's here. He's playing here in March. I haven't decided if I'm going to go yet or not. But, I mean, it's cool. I had a blast when I saw him solo last time. but Because I'm, like, it's one of those things where, like, his new solo record came out. It's one of those things where I, I bought his last one. I'm like, it, it was cool because now I get I, I get to meet Ace. I get to have him sign it. And it's something I probably would have bought anyways. So it's like kind of one of those things where, great, I, I got to take a trip in the New York City on a Saturday. Oh, poor me. And get this, you know, get my record signed by Ace and, and hopefully get a picture. I hope they don't do crap like no photography or no photos. I'm sorry. If you're, if you're meeting a rock star at a meet and greet and they say no photos, it's absolute BS. And I will be a very upset. Um, just tell him you tell him he's your favorite trout player. Yeah, and he's like he's an excellent plumber too. Um exactly. that's one of the greatest interviews of all time. So, anyways, I'm jazzed. I got those concerts. Um, I literally went through my, you know, that at band in town. I literally went through my band in town today yep. and bookmarked all the concerts like that they have listed currently through like October. Um, I want to take some road trips this summer. 
Uh, I got my responsibilities decline. I can work remotely. So basically I can take a road trip and as long as I can find an internet connection, I can just not worry about burning through vacation and stuff. So I might do some of that and go to some concerts, go to some shows. Um, and, uh, yeah, it'll be a good time, but I bookmarked all those. I'm going to put them in an Excel sheet and plan them out a little bit better. Um, and that'll be fun. So yeah, get to meet Ace Fraley and I'm going to see Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper in uh, September. So should be a good time. Um, yeah, my so my my concert lineup is February 24th. I'm seeing Mr. Big. Um, Friday, March 8th, I am driving like five hours away to see King's X, which is not a shock for anybody um, if they know me. Uh, March 24th, I'm seeing Joey Belladonna in his uh, Journey tribute band um, called Beyond Frontiers. I'm seeing Ace Freely on April 12th. I'm seeing Armored Saint May 2nd. And Judas Priest, May 22nd. That is my current concert lineup. I'm going to see uh, Judas Priest. Then I'm going to see like this show that I can't believe exists. Amani- Wait, you're seeing Judas Priest and, Sa- er, um, so, Sabaton. <laughs> and Sabaton. I saw Judas right. Priest with Saxon. Yeah, I know you did. Um, so that was cool. I brought, Bringing it back to Saxon, I saw Saxon open for Judas Priest like four or five years ago. Yeah. Um, and I, and I got to tell you what, Saxon, spectacular to see live. Biff, like, he's an old dude, but, man, he gets up there and he still owns the stage. Um, yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that he does what he does, and that's, yeah, that's all that matters. He does it know? well. Uh, but I'm also going to see a, a show that I can't believe exists. It's a Monty Marth headlining over Cannibal Corpse, Obituary, and Frozen Soul. Like, I never in a and million... Frozen Soul was my album of the year last year, by the way. I never in a million years thought I'd be seeing Cannibal Corpse and Obituary, let alone opening for a Monty Marth. Like, that's like a holy crap, like, this kind, these kinds of shows never come to the United States type of, of, of lineup. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Wait, man, they're, they're, I will, I will, and again, this is not an I was cool before you were. This is, we saw a Monty Marth with less than 10 people in the yes, room. Yes, we did. And they were playing with Cataclysm. Yep. And it was supposed to be Marduk headlining, but Marduk couldn't get in the in the country. And we saw it at this complete the flying machine, d- complete dump outside of Cleveland called the flying <laughs> this complete machine. dump. You could have said dive oh, and at least made it sound charming, dude, dude, dude. The last time I went in the bathroom and had a and had a browning, like that is how I would describe. The it wasn't that bad. No, but it was a dumpy place. It was a dive, uh, man. I know, I know, I know. I just it wasn't wanted to a say the browning. Dump. It's not like, you know, they had like I just wanted to say the browning and in reference to taking a dump, that's all. It's not uh, it's not but, like you're like, Can I have a clean glass? And the bartender's like, here you go, your majesty. <laughs> like Um <laughs> It was a dive. No, but I mean point being um uh point being it was, you know, by no means like uh let's just put it this way, our band played there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, but, it's cool. Uh, yeah, there was I, nobody I, there. There was nobody there. No, it was like and it was literally we, us I, and like six other people. It, and and I, two I of we, those six people were our friends. <laughs> I know, and because I remember, like, our friends were like, "Well, Marduk's not playing. I don't want to go." I'm like, "Dude, I don't care about Marduk. I just want to go see him on a Marth. I still don't care about Mon- about Marduk, but I wanted to see him on a Marth." And this was like what one cent from the Golden Hall era. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was. Um, it was like the no, Crusher no, no, era. No, no, it was like yeah, it was a. Cr- I could tell you. Give me a second. Um. My guess is it was. I mean, like you know, it it was super early in their career. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This was like the crush. This was the Crusher versus the World at most. I don't even think it was versus um, the World because I don't think for the stab wounds on oh, no, our no, back. No, no, no. Yeah, it yet. had no. It was Crusher. It was Crusher. 
Yeah. Had to have been. Because I, I, I would have um, went. I remember because the song we were all waiting, or at least the song I was waiting for, was uh, Victorious March. And I would have been waiting for the stab well, wounds yeah, in our back. On, that, that's, that's on one sense for Gold Hall, yeah. No, I know um, it is, but I'm saying like that's the song I was waiting for, and if they were if they were touring on um, on versus the world, I would have been waiting for for the stab wounds in our no, back too. No. Yeah, because I I we I, I I still worked at the Blockbuster in, on Liberty, so yep. it couldn't have been it couldn't have been versus the world. It had to have been the Crusher. Um, it had it had to have been. I can't imagine it was Avenger. Um, no, no, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been because they would have just put an album out, so it had to have been the Crusher. So, um, but yeah, I can't I believe wonder, it. I actually, can't. I'd be curious if that if that set list is somewhere. I'm so I don't think the set list is up, but the show is probably up. Um, I'm anyway. So I I'm mean, so jazzed to see. I mean, Frozen Soul. They're more your thing than mine. Like they're they're more like bolt thrower type of death metal, they're, which they're, they're total bolt. Which thrower. isn't it's pretty awesome. I don't dislike it, but it's not usually my thing. Like it's not something I'm going to go out and find. But dude, Obituary, Cannibal Corpse, and Amani Marth. Like, dude, I'm not even going to be able to move my neck the next day. Like, seriously, it's going to be so awesome. I'm so jazzed for the show. Even, so it's not even listed on setlist.fm. Really? The show happened. Wow. It, it, maybe yeah. maybe it was all a fever dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah the, the pictures we have from it definitely. Yeah, um, we have pictures with Johan and some of the band members. Johan was awesome. I remember that. I think we told the story on the show before, though. You and I were like, "Hey, to go to Johan Heg, hey," because literally there was no one there. So after the set, they literally walked off stage and just went up to the bar like they were any other, like just dudes hanging out at the at the at the the bar and we were like hey johan can we get a picture and he goes yeah 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 oh hold on a minute hold on a minute i need to get my beer first <laughs> he wouldn't take a picture without a beer <laughs> and it was so it was, it was so a funny. budweiser <laughs> like it's not <laughs> yeah here it is cleveland ohio at the flying machine oh you found it um yeah, yeah. what was the date was, and marduk and it doesn't say anything else it doesn't say like who else was um, but I mean, I know for a fact it that, was Cataclysm that, um, and Marduk couldn't get in the country. Cataclysm and a uh, um, a really good. Um, oh, see, this one says Amani Marth and Diabolic. I know Cataclysm was there; they had to have been. Um, and I remember uh, Diabolic. Diabolic was pretty cool. They're, I haven't heard that Diabolic name in a long was there time. too. I don't. Maybe they were there too. I rem- um, I thought it was just more than Cataclysm because I swear it was like three or four bands. Oh, there was also a um, it was a local opener probably, but there was a local Cleveland black metal band that um I will think of their name in a minute. I I have their album. I'll th- I'll think of it in a minute. Um. Anyway, it was 01. That, that's what that's what. Matters. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a Monty Marth, Cataclysm, Diabolic, and what is not listed is the local band that played. Fair enough. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. It was it was Imani Marth, Cataclysm, and Diabolic. So that, yes, that was right. Um, and it was at least I think whatever. It doesn't matter. I I know at least. No, uh, I, I don't think our listeners uh, are interested that, in listening to us no, figure this out. Care. But no, I don't. I don't. I don't think they care, and I don't care if they care. Um, but I was gonna say so. Um, Anyways, I'm I'm jazzed for that show. I'm I'm gonna eventually add more shows to that, so I can't wait. Um, you know, and now that I kind of got my bearings, um, hockey season's winding down a little bit, and I can uh, hopefully, um, hopefully, uh, what you call it, um, get to more concerts now. So, of course, of course, of course. Um, yeah, no, I'm ex- I'm pretty excited. Somnus, uh, Somnus, yeah, that's him. I know Somnus. I've got their album. It's it's pretty awesome. 
Yeah, they they were a local band from um from uh from Cleveland. Yeah, they they did some stuff though. Like Somnus like went beyond Cleveland, I think. Like they were I remember Somnus. Okay. I just why is it it's really interesting that it is not in my iTunes. Um I actually own the album too. Go figure. Uh, the fly the I wonder album, if the flying machine the still crown. exists. Oh, I I don't think so. Anyways, so uh, so. so let's get to the topic at hand here in the show as we've meandered through enough. Um, You know, we talked a lot about Saxon and how, you know, you know, use the term like they're not even brought to the table, meaning they're not even mentioned. And, you know, I was I was listening to uh, I I, I don't want to give away the band, but I was listening to I bought a record the other day and it was a record I've been looking at a what? A, re- a record. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. I bought a record. That we. By the way, if you ever listen to "Dead" by Obituary, the reason why me and Duff only ever say a record is thanks to John Tardy. Um, well, and he does he does that all the time. Yeah. I mean, he's but the, the "Dead" is a great example. But you know, this is the title track of our first record. Record. It's, it's so. So awesome He's awesome. The way the guy does. Anyway, He's so so, awesome. so I bought a record. I'll, I'll mention the band later when we start going through the list. But and it's a record I've been looking for for a long time. It's it's only I think it's only ever been repressed once, and the represses go for as much as the original press. So I found an original. I'm not one of those guys who cares about if it's original or repressed. I just want to listen to the music. But luckily, I found an original. I paid through the nose for it, um, way more than I wanted to. But at the same time, it's like I've never seen it in person before. Um, and it was one of those things I listened to the record. I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, there's an, and there's another band on the list I'll I'll bring up later. And I'm thinking to myself, like, why aren't these, why isn't this record like brought to the table? Like, why isn't this record ever talked about more? Like, it's one of those records where people mention it, but it's not usually in the conversation when you mention key albums or great albums, people will talk about, oh yeah, that's a good album. If you bring up the band, but people won't ever say, Hey, what are great thrash or death metal bands of the late 80s early 90s it's never mentioned and then it's one of those albums also i feel like when you do mention it people are like oh yeah yeah that one that one's awesome so we decided to do like underrated metal albums and to clarify because we're very careful on this show about you know there's a lot of gatekeeping there's a lot of like uh, elitism and everything else like that these are not albums where we're like i bet you've never heard of this one you're going to hear some of these album titles and be like, yeah, what are you talking about? I love that album. It's a great album. Like, I don't, you know, for us, it's one of those ones where when we, when in our travels and our conversations and our online interactions, whatever, they're albums that we don't see mentioned a lot. Um, look, which, yeah, which, which is more what we're talking yeah, yeah. about. More, it, It's not, it's not, oh, here's like 50 albums you've probably never heard of. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, th- th- those posts drive me nuts. Here's bands you've never heard of because they're, they're doing one of two things. They're trying to be cool by finding something literally no one's ever heard of, except for the ba- the bass player's mom, or they're just trying to sound cool, you know. Um, well, that or let's be fair, it's to get clicks. Oh, I've heard of them, so they get more clicks. Th- like way. you mentioned, the card game. Like these these are the albums where we're like, you know, here here's an album where yes, you may have heard of it, but it's one of those albums that's going to be like we always talk about, and I'll bring up one right now, okay. Flotsam and Jetsam, Doomsday for the Deceiver. What's funny you said that, that that was literally... By the way, for everybody, I don't even know what's on your list because if you wrote it down, I'm not looking at your list. That was honestly the first record I was going to mention. And that's exactly it. Like That was one of the first... Aside from that other one I bought, that was one of the first ones. Because you and I always talk about 
Flotsam and Jetsam Doomsday for the Seaver is one of those albums where if you say like to your average person and yeah, I'm not saying never, not saying never, I'm not saying no one. But when you say classic thrash metal albums of the 80s, you're going, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you got Ride the Lightning and you got Killing Is My Business and Peace Cells and Show No Mercy and Rain and Blood. And and then you got Bonded by Blood. And, and you know, but half the time, then, then you hear always hear somebody go, dude, what about Doomsday for the Seaver? Oh, yeah, dude, that album's so awesome. Well, and it's one of those which- albums where you and I both say every time we put it on, we say, why don't I listen to this more? What's funny is the legacy of that album has nothing to do with the album. Yeah, everybody considers it, oh, that's Jason Newstead's album before Metallica. But it's so yeah, much I mean, more it, than It is that. a well-known album because of that. And in fairness, the record label totally jumped on that because there was a time in the late 80s where that album had a sticker on the front that says featuring Jason Newstead now of Metallica, right? The, the label definitely used that to sell copies. Oh, of course. But, dude, I'm aware that Jason Newstead wrote, like, the whole album. You know, he wrote the, the majority of the music on the record, if not all of it. I don't know if he wrote the lyrics. Eric might have. I don't know. But it's just, it's a sad state of affairs that that record is known as the, J, you know, Jason's old band. But, dude, I can't, I can count on one hand how many times I've ever had a conversation about that record. And f- four of them were when I was seeing them. Yeah. Like when I went and saw Flotsam and Jetsam, who, by the way, Eric is amazing. When I went and saw Flotsam and Jetsam, and they played, um, they played something off of it. I can probably tell you. Hold on. Um, oh, they, uh, I know they played Hammerhead. They, they played something else too. Might have played the title track, but I know they played Hammerhead, for example. Um, and like everybody was super happy about it. You know, the crowd was digging it. But I was seeing Flotsam and Jetsam. Yeah. It's different when you're seeing them live. No, they were not the headliner. But I was up front against the rail. Everybody else that is up front are the 30 other people that really like them. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're you're trying to get up front for Flotsam and Jetsam, you're one of the people there that really likes them. Um, And you know what? I won't even go as – dude, I'm sorry, but Flotsam and Jetsam sucked. For a while. Oh yeah. Dude, try to tell me Quattro and Drift. I mean, dude, they're they're garbage. I'm sorry. Maybe if I were to go back and listen to them now, I could find something about them I like. I, I no. Um I have gone on record and saying ever since the album Ugly Noise in 2012. No, excuse me. Ever since I thought it was the other way around. Ever since the album The Cold in 2010, they've been absolutely on fire. The Cold, Ugly Noise, their title track, The End of Chaos. Blood in the Water, these are all great albums. But they lost their way. They lost their way for a while. But Doomsday for the Seaver, again, it's like one of those albums where, you know, again, I, and I repeat, like, you listen to it, you put it on, and you're like, like, it's one of those, it's it's another one of those albums where you just think to yourself, like, first of all, why don't more people talk about this album? Why isn't it held up there in as high esteem as some of those other second wave thrash albums? Like, you know, like uh, legacy and 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 well, technically bonded by blood because they came out. You know, I know Exodus was around way before that, but bonded by blood came out later. Um, but I, you know, I don't understand why that. Like, I, I mean, I do understand because again, I mean, let's be honest here. When Metallica absorbed Jason Newstead, they kind of cut the balls off the band. 
You know what I mean? Like, and not to say that they weren't good for a while after that, or or that they well, they didn't recover. But I'm saying, like, literally, you know, you 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 strip the band of its of a key person. But Doomsday for the Deceiver is such a great album. Like every time I put it on, I'm thinking to myself, like, and it's funny because it, it it happens every time. You'll put it on and you're like, my God, I need to listen to this album more often. And then you'll put it back on the shelf, and then you won't pull it out again for an a- for for a year. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just one of those weird albums where it's so good, but it's just so hard to like remember. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, well, th- there there is one other thing about that record though that this is we have had this conversation in other respects, not about that album, but Flotsam and Jetsam also had the curse. Of having a singer. Yes. They had the curse of having a singer. Not like Joey Belladonna. Exactly. But Eric is a singer. Eric has a very unique voice. Eric was not... Excuse me. He was not... Paul Bailoff. He wasn't one of those guys. I... Of course, for me, and I've said this before... I appreciate that. I like that he's a singer. I like that his that I consider his vocals one of the, you know. I think Eric's vocals are one of the highlights of that record. Like, it, it's an incredible album. But, I mean, I don't think the vocals take away from it. I think the vocals make it better. I think it would be a great album, but with Eric's vocals, it's so much better than it could have, than it would have been. I think with a random with a with a standard thrash singer, that album would not be as good. It just I don't think it would be as good. No, um, and it's the same thing as with Anthrax. Like you and I have talked about how everybody thinks, oh, Anthrax would have been so much better if they had a, a guy like Tom Ray or James Hetfield in front of them. But I'll be honest with you, I I covered. <clears throat> I am the law, and I tried doing those vocals, and I don't know if it's because Joey Belladonna's voice has been burned into my ears for yeah. de- you know decades, or if it's just because those vocals only work because it's Joey Belladonna. Like we always said, John Bush can't do Joey's songs as well as Joey, and Joey can't do John Bush's songs as well as John. So you know, there's something to how those vocals were structured. You can say, well, it would be better if. But at the same time, you don't know that. You know what I mean? It may not be. You know, like, like let me give you a let me give you an example. And <clears throat> I don't know if this is a band you were going to mention. I, I don't think it is. Um, but here's a here's a thrash band, a second wave thrash band, that was, um, g- really really good. I mean, we both really like them. Um, but. Take a band like Sacred Reich, for example. Phil Ryan's vocals are awesome. You know what I mean? Like they're not they're not, not good. They're good. But he's not a singer either. Um You know what I mean? Like he's he's not a singer. While I like his vocals and I think they fit the band, someone like Joey Belladonna, someone like Eric takes that to a whole other level, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. I don't know. What else you got? All right, let me let me mark this. So let me uh excuse me while I whip this thing out. 
Um, but 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 uh. So again, you know, let's see here. So again, you know, a lot of these albums are not albums that I'm saying nobody's ever heard of or anything else like that. But let me look on here. I'll mention one right now that that it's probably more my thing than Duff's. Um, and it's a band that really a lot of people, again, it's another one of those bands where they're never brought up in any conversations, but as soon as I bring them up, a lot of people are like, oh, I remember them now. I love them. And I'll say Drain STH with the albums Freaks of Nature. So Drain STH was a Swedish all-female band. They were one of the first, I don't want to say first all-female bands because that's not accurate, but they're one of the first or one of the primary all-female bands. This is before Crypta, it's before Nervosa, it's before Kitty, it's before all those other bands. They released Horror Wrestling and they released Freaks of Nature. Um, both albums were good. Freaks of Nature is kind of where I discovered them, so it's the album I gravitate to the most. Horror Wrestling is still pretty good. Um, again, it's more my thing than Duff's. Um, but Drain STH, that album is so, in my opinion, underrated. Um, now, again, if you're a if you're a thrash or death guy, you're not gonna like the album. Um, it's got it's more of like I don't even know what genre I'd place it in, but um, I don't know, maybe alternative. I mean, you could even probably make a case for it being alternative metal. It's certainly not new metal. It's kind of its own thing. Um, I, I really don't like to categorize it, but um, I don't know. Like, you know, the, the lead singer actually ended up marrying uh, Tony Iommi. Uh, the band broke up. They don't exist anymore. They haven't existed in years. This album is actually in my top 50 albums of all time. It's another one of those albums that even I forget about at times where... <laughs> I'll, by the way, I, I would I would love to go back and look at what my top fifty albums were of all time when we did it a couple years ago. But that's because, dude, it changes so much. So much it's not even the only re the only reason I keep reviewing it is because every time I every time I get one of them on vinyl, I'm only missing three on vinyl, and it's because either they were never released on vinyl, like this one, Drain STH uh, Freaks of Nature, or like it was released in the '80s and the album is like four hundred dollars because it was never pressed again. Um, like, like for instance, I think, uh, uh, Megadeth's countdown to extinction that was released once in the nineties, like very, very, when it very, very first came out. So like copies are like $300 and yeah, I yeah, love, like I would love euthanasia and I will I, not buy any re-release of it. Oh, 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 the remasters, the remasters. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. I actually did see a euthanasia picture disc at the last record show I was at. Yeah, but it's. It's the remastered version with the balls clipped off. Well, we got to get his balls. We got to get his balls. We, That's what Dave Mustaine, Dave Mustaine said listening to, uh, in the mixing room, being like, "Yeah, Nick Menza, we got to get his balls." That was seriously. That was my first reaction. I was like, "Yeah, that's exactly what he said. We got to get his balls." Because um, they cut they cut the balls right off the drums. No, I, I agree. Forget about the fact that they they actually like do stupid crap with songs. They also just completely ruin the drum sound. Which, let's also say, one of the reasons those records were so heavy was because of Nick Menz's drum sound. But anyway, continue. I didn't mean to go off on that, too. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to, I would, if I suppose, I heard a, I heard a rumor that they're supposed to, those albums are coming out in 2024. I don't know if that's true. I hope they are. I will, I will buy Countdown to Extinction, even if it is the, the remaster, just because I feel like I need, I, I have a tattoo of that album because it was yeah, a pivotal yeah, album yeah. for me. Um, not of the cover, I have a, 
tattoo of Vic Rattlehead like from art from that album. But anyways, um, anyway, so you know, Drain STH Freaks of Nature is it's again it's one of those albums where I I stumbled on it accidentally. Um, I, it was one of those albums where we got at the radio station. I was like, oh, what's this? I've, I've, I saw them in like Hit Parader in those magazines. Never been able to listen to them. Yeah, because they were women. Well, I mean, well, no, no. What I mean is though, because Hit Parader would talk about them because they had women in the band. Yeah, I mean, they do the same thing with. And I'm not being They a do jerk, the same I'm thing with the band Veruca Salt, who I still don't know what they sound like. They do the same thing with Nashville Pussy. It was probably Andy Setzer at Hit Parader. Yeah, Andy Setzer at Hit Parader. They did the same thing with Nashville Pussy. Basically, if you had a female in your band, they were like, "Ooh, women." Which, which, which. What's funny, by the way, was I was literally. It's funny you mentioned that. I was going to mention Nashville Pussy as a band that should be on this list, but continue. But anyway, so Drain Sch, you know. And I, I hate bringing up this again, but you know they're one of those bands where you see the band and you'd be like, I wonder what they sound like because you couldn't just log on to Spotify or Apple Music or YouTube or something and listen to a band's ha- you know entire discography in a day. No, like you had to go out and buy the CD, and sometimes you were like, I don't really want to take a gamble on spending my only twenty bucks on this band because for all I know they could sound like, you know, they could sound like uh, bubblegum pop. Um, so, but anyways, we got the album at the radio station. I listened to it. I really liked it. And again, Drain STH Freaks of Nature is. I saw them at Ozfest actually, and yep. it was one of the hardest decisions of my life because Slayer played immediately after them on the main stage. So the the debate I got into was, I can wa- I can see like half of Drain STH's set, and then walk over and get like front row for Slayer. Or I can sit here and watch all of Drain STH and spend Slayer's entire set fighting to get somewhere near the band, near the near the stage. Right, right, and this right. is back when I was a teenager, so now I'd be like, oh, I'm cool with just sitting back and watching, you know. But no, obviously, when I was a teenager, I wanted to be in the pit. I wanted to be front row. I want. I didn't care if my ribs were going to get broken, like getting smashed up against the barrier, whatever. I didn't care. Um. So yeah, actually, I did say. At the time, it was Slayer, Drain STH. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go see Slayer. So I did leave halfway through their set. I regret it to this day because I don't think I ever had another opportunity. I did not actually have another opportunity to see them play. And I really, really wish I would have stuck out for the set. Why? Because I saw Slayer like seven, eight times after that. I never saw Drain STH. So lesson learned, everybody. If you see a band... And you say to yourself, should I leave this set to get closer to the other band and you're at a festival? Really, really think that out because you may find out that the band you're going towards that's bigger, you'll see have more of an opportunity to see than the smaller band. But that's that's my that's my story and I'm sticking to it. So do you want me to name another one or do you have one you yeah, want to mention? Yeah, keep going for it. Dude, I don't have a list. I mean, I can grab stuff. All right, here we go. I'm getting I'm getting uh, I got to make another seven and seven. I, 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 I'm drinking seven and sevens tonight. You know why? You'd be proud of me. Because you're cheap. Because Seven Up was on sale. <laughs> there you go. It's because you were cheap. Because <laughs> Seven Up was on sale, and I was like, "Oh, Seven Up, Carl Weathers." And and it's funny because I I and this is more of where I'm proud. This is more where it becomes Rex's story. I bought Seven Up, and I I like, oh make seven and sevens. I go over to my by my half gal or my handle of Seagram Seven, and I'm like oh I'm almost out. So then after buying the Seagram or after buying the Seven Up on sale, I actually had to go out and buy another handle of Seagram Seven. So you know the problem is though, it's not called Seven Up anymore. Yes, it is. It's called Starry. No, it's not. Or is it not? Oh no 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 sorry. It's sp- I'm looking Excuse at the me. can right hey, now, no, 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 and it no, says Seven on, Up. Hold on. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sprite is not Sprite anymore. It isn't? Sprite is called Starry. Are you sure? Because I literally just bought Sprite. Yeah, I think you're mistaken. Or is it Sierra Mist? What Sierra, Sierra Mist, Mist doesn't exist anymore. That might be what you're thinking no. of. Sorry, Sierra Mist is now called Starry. Sierra Mist is no longer Sierra Mist. It's called Starry. Oh, I don't care about Sierra Mist. That doesn't mix well. Um, no, seven and Sorry, seven. It was one of them. Well, and you know, and and I know that normally Black Tooth grins and Je and Lemmy's are my go-to, but I don't mind drinking these. You know why? Because they taste good. Because Seven Up was on sale. And Seagram Seven was Dimebag's well, favorite whiskey of all time. And 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 you got to remember, our friend Jimmy in high school was obsessed with the T-shirt that said "Make Seven Up Yours." Yeah, remember those? Make they had seven the, the front up of the shirt and the back, the front of the shirt, because the, the, there was this, there was this uh, um, marketing campaign they had. It was called "Make Seven Up Yours." And they had T-shirts on the front said "Make Seven on the back said "Up Yours," and Jimmy was obsessed with that. <laughs> he thought it was the coolest thing in the entire world. Any, anyway, no, Seagram. I actually to this day can't see the name Seven Up without thinking of it as "Make Seven Up Yours." Seagram um, yeah, Seven. Sierra, it's Sierra Mist. It doesn't exist. But yeah, I'm so sorry that I screwed up my. By the way, story. so in case you know, people always argue, <clears throat> or people sometimes argue, Black Tooth grins are they made with Crown? They're made with Crown Royal. No, they're made with Seagram Seven. Rita, I bought that Dime Vision collection and Rita flat out confirmed that the actual black tooth grin is Seagram seven and Coke. If it's crown and Coke, it's called a crown tooth grin. So if you're making black tooth grins and you've got crown Royal, you're wrong. That comes straight from Rita Haney, Dimebag's old lady. So, Hey, who's the old you know lady? What? That's, that's why my old lady. That's why now it's unfortunate. Cause now I got to keep both Jack Daniels and Seagram 7 on hand because you never know what you're going to need. You never know if you're going to need a Lemmy or a Black Tooth Grin. Yeah, oh, dude, yeah, by I, the I, way, I, another funny story, and these are all metal related. Uh, you know how Facebook has those things that come up like two years ago or, you know, whatever. This yeah. Two years ago, there was a post and it had a picture of Dimebag. And it was I said, like, you know, this guy was like super important to me, you know, like or whatever. And it said, my friend is still trying to talk me into getting a Black Tooth Grin tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> and I was and I posted a comment on it like two years later with a picture of my black tooth grin tattoo. About damn time. <laughs> hey, I've said for years, if there was ever someone who should have that tattoo, not just a dime bag tattoo, but a black tooth grin tattoo, because for both reasons. Well, not only because of dime bag to you, but also because you've been drinking the damn things ever since. This, like, this I don't drink them because I don't like doing shots, but this summer, I am going to get my Jason Voorhees. I, I, I actually got AI to to make some concepts, and I'm going to get my Jason Voorhees as a goalie tattoo this summer. Like I, I had, I fell on some rough times where I just didn't have time to get to a tattoo shop, and things got expensive. Like I had some unexpected expenses and things. But this Before summer, I am getting my Jason Voorhees tattoo finally. Um, Do it anyway. So. I'm gonna like. I still I'm, need to get a naked lady, but well, someday. you, dude, you need a naked lady like crazy, like I anywhere hidden. Like, like as, as important as Dimebag is to Rex, boobies and naked women are. To dude, me. you need a naked you lady know? tattoo. Like, I, I, I think I even said like a deal is if I get my black tooth grin tattoo, you have to get a naked lady. <laughs> anyway, I got a Dio tattoo. So you know, I mean, I got some cool tattoos. I, I just didn't. I haven't gotten a naked lady only because it's. You know, I'm gonna throw one out there for you. 
Okay. I'm going to throw one out there for you, okay? Because th- this one, I like this album as well, but I'm going to be honest with you. You turned me on to this album, and it's you know way more about it, and you're a way bigger fan than me. Oh, no. Arch Matheos, okay. Sympathetic Resonance. Sympathetic Resonance, yeah, it's an incredible album. I mean, it's I, I, I understand it's a record that um, a lot of people just might not know exists or what it is. It's... um. It's Jim Matheos, who is the main guy in Fate's Warning, is a guitar player in Fate's Warning, um, and John Arch, who was the original uh, vocalist for Fate's Warning. Um, well, and actually, you know, you, you've been reading uh, Brian Slagle's second book. I bought it. I have not read it yet. Um, I plan to read it on the plane next week. Um, if, I, you know, if I'm bored on the plane, which I probably will be, um, I'll end up reading it on the plane. But, you know, when Fate's Warning was playing... John Arch, who's an incredible vocalist, man, an incredible vocalist, had a really weird voice. And if people don't like it, you know, it's like King Diamond. Like, if you don't like his voice, you don't really have to explain yourself to me. Like, I get it. His voice is weird. You know? Um, you know, if you say you don't like Russell Allen, I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. He's just a, he's by normal standards, a really good singer. You know, like yeah, he's not like super high or no, he's just he's he's just a great singer. Yeah, you know, he he sings for Trans Siberian Orchestra because people of all ages because appreciate the fact that he's a they think he's a jazz singer. He's just a great singer. Uh, John Arch is not that way. He has a very weird voice. It's it, it, I, if someone were to say his voice is irritating, I'd go, hey man, you know, you don't have to convince me. I I get it. I love it. Um, but. He had, uh, from everything I've ever, ever understood, was he had, like, crippling stage fright. And so he would just have to drink a lot before he could go on stage. And, you know, him and Face Warning parted ways, God, what, like, 87, 86, 87, 88, somewhere in there. Um, it was, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't know all of the ins and outs to... Um, to you know the breakup or whatever, but basically it was after Awaken the Guardian and uh, which was I know that was album was eighty six, but it was after Awaken the Guardian and before No Exit because No Exit was the first album with Ray Alder, and he stopped singing for well uh, twenty five years. I mean. Have, by the way, Rex, have you ever heard John Arch's solo record from 2003? I did not. It's two songs. Oh, dude, well, you should totally check this out. Well, dude, like, dude I'm going I'm to... Th- go ahead. I was going to say, Brian Slagle talks about that. Um, he, I, I haven't listened to the album, but he talks about how John Arch is now in a position in his life where he only kind of does what he wants to do. Because, you know, like you said, he he suffers from crippling stage fright. And back, back when... Um, I don't know if he still does, but he did. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, back then he didn't know what it was like, meaning he didn't know why. And he, he since like gotten counseling and and seen like therapists and stuff like that. And he better understands it. There's like this whole, if you haven't read Brian Slagle's first book, I recommend you get it. Even if you're not a fan of all the metal blade records or anything like that, it's still a great read for any metal fan. Yeah. But that one's a lot about, it's about the metal scene in the 80s together. And yeah. 
Yeah. And then, and then the new the book, book is, is he kind of like basically was like, you know, a lot of people thought, well, you probably have a lot of great stories. This book is way more casual, meaning it's a lot right. more of him just kind of like saying stories. It reads like he is talking to you. So it doesn't read like in summer of 1986, I was, you know, it, it like reads right. more like, so anyways, I was sitting in the office with such and such and it reads more conversational. And there's this whole, he, he got an email because I guess he asked John Arch about the whole thing because he wrote a lot about Fate's Warning. He wrote a lot about Armored Saint. And he wrote, he, he published this whole email from John Arch kind of explaining his like stage fright and how he felt, how he feels today, how he deals with it. And basically like John Arch is kind of taking, tr- taking control of his own destiny, meaning when he was in Fate's Warning in the 80s, obviously you record an album, you're expected to tour. Now he's kind of of the mind of, I can just create music and I don't necessarily have to go out and push it. And that's something that's great about today, meaning you and I have recorded songs in our base in our basement that sound better than anything released in or not anything, but a lot of things released in the eighties and, and sometimes even nineties. Um, and I'm not, that's not a, that's not a, me like, you know, you know, you know, yanking my crank about how great of a recording artist I am or anything like well, that. Well, no, it was because it's, recording was really expensive in those yeah, days. Like, the, it, and, and if it was you, hard to do. Yeah, you you know, if you wanted to record at home, you had like a, a tape, a, a Tascam tape deck with a four tracks on it, and you had to have crappy microphones plugged into this, and if you screwed up, like you had to redo the whole thing. You know, now everything's digital. Everything's with computers. There's amp sims that sound like you're in like a, you know, $10,000 a day recording studio. You can play guitar, bass, everything. If you have a halfway decent mic, you can do vocals. Um, So like my whole point is that, you know, now he can do that sort of stuff. It's not terribly expensive, meaning like, you know, if you really wanted to, you could do stuff at home. And he's not under pressure to go out and tour and push it and publish it because you well, can just self-publish. So you know they 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 did a show or two, yeah. And John Arch did that reunion for Awaken the Guardian, but it was like it was like at the Prague Power Festival, like it was a one-time thing. You know, it wasn't it wasn't it was it's you're right it's it's not the same thing. Anyway, I'll get back to sympathetic resonance in a second. But John Arch basically did Awaken the Guardian in 86, and he never heard from him again. The only thing I'd heard from him was his audition for Dream Theater, which I really don't... My guess is I never really read much into this. My guess is he really wasn't planning on being in Dream Theater. They wanted him to audition, and he probably did it as a favor. But going out of Fate's Warning and into Dream Theater wouldn't have made his life easier. Um... But anyway, out of flipping nowhere in 2003, and Rex, dude, check this record out. I have no idea if you could ever get your hands on it on vinyl. My guessing, my guess is no, but check the record out. Uh, in 2003, he put out a record called A Twist of Fate. Dude, it's a 28-minute it's a, it's a album, two songs. It's, a, it's like a, a 12 and a 15-minute song. Like, they're just two obnoxiously long songs. But, dude, the lineup. John Arch, Jim Matheos, Mike Portnoy, Joey Vera. It's this random, like, dude, I never, I have never heard anybody talk about this record other than I, I saw a video of Mike Portnoy doing a drum clinic like 20-some-odd years ago saying, I'm going to play a song off of a record I have coming out with a singer, but I'm not allowed to say anything else about it. <clears throat> like... 
no one talks about this record, and it drives me nuts. Um, it was two songs. One's called Relentless. One, one is called Cheyenne. Dude, it's awesome. It's really, really awesome. But it's, it, but Sympathetic Resonance is better. So anyway, 2000, I've just looked up the date. Sorry, I couldn't remember the year. But 2011, a record called Sympathetic Resonance comes out by Archmuth, Archmuth Theos. And it's John Arch and Jim Theos doing a collaboration. And if I remember what happened, I remember reading about it at the time. I don't, it was one of two things. I don't remember if Ray was just really busy at the time and couldn't have done an album, but I don't think that's it. I think John was writing stuff that didn't make sense for Fade's Warning. Um, it just, but either way, whichever story is true, and I don't remember it, I'm not looking it up, and anybody who, whatever, it doesn't matter. Point being, John Arch and Jim Matheos got together and they put this record out called Sympathetic Resonance. And dude, it is mind blowing start to finish. It is. Joey, Joey Vera, I it was either Joey or Bobby. I'm pretty sure it was Joey. Might have been Frank. Frank Arresti, who used to, who was the who was classically the lead guitar player in Fate's Warning and has been half in and out of the band for 25 years. Um, he did some guitar solos on it, but um, I don't. Jim said the other guys in the band. I don't know if that meant Bobby or Joey or both. Said it was the most challenging music they had ever been asked to play in the studio. And Jim Matheos is. Uh, oh no! That if I'm not mistaken, it was. It was because uh, I remember seeing an interview and Brian Slagle said that um, he's like, yeah, I've heard that. The other guys in the band said this was the hardest music they were ever asked to play in the studio. And Jim's like, yeah, well, what the hell am I paying them for? <laughs> you know? Um, dude, this this album, I mean, come on. Can we can we just be honest? It's over the top. It, it It's musically over the top, dude. There's three songs over ten minutes. They're crazy musically. But it's 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 just it, it's it's perfect. And dude, I mean, for you to put this on your list is 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 especially awesome because, dude, this is like crazy progressive. This is wacky, wacky long songs that are crazy technical and all over the place, and it's done so flawlessly that it ends up being. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It ends up being just totally listenable. No, it does, and. Like you, you don't you don't have to go into this and be like I want to hear a crazy prog album. You can just listen to this damn. Well, and that's something I saw. I always talk about with prog is prog for me, and I'm not a prog fan. I, I don't hate prog. I don't think it's stupid. I'm like oh f- screw prog. I almost I almost dropped the yeah. I almost said the f word. Um, I'm like screw prog. But you know, for me, the reason I like Rush is because Rush didn't sacrifice the difficulty for the song. The reason I like Fate's Warning, they don't sacrifice the difficulty for the song. This band also does not, sac- you know, Arch Matheos does not sacrifice the difficulty for the song. The bands I can't stand are the bands who are like, watch how hard this is. And literally all it is, is a bunch of disjointed, difficult passages. Some people like that. That's fine. Whatever. Or, or a bunch of, like, watch how hard this is to play, and it doesn't have a song. It doesn't tell a story. And when I say tell a story, I don't mean lyrically. 
like musically a song needs to evolve. Like if you just say, here's section one, section two, section three, and literally none of them sat, you, you could rearrange them in any order and the song would be equally sound exactly the same. Meaning, you know, there's no coherence. You know, that's not something I'm going to like. Well, if you like it, cool. That's cool on you. I'm not saying you can't. But for me, I like a song where it's going to progress. You know, it's going, yes, this song is super hard to play. And the, the thing I always loved about bands like Russians and, and Fate's Warning was the songs are incredibly challenging to play as musicians, but you wouldn't know it by listening to it. Dude, I I had been, and, and I know you know the song too, but dude, you, you've known the song... Um, monument by Fate's Warning since the 90s, and it wasn't until like a year ago when I showed you the video that you realized how crazy hard the drums are. Because you never noticed. Mm -hmm. You don't realize how you're like... You literally said, holy crap, I never realized he was doing all that. I'm like, it's it's wacky. It's really wacky. And and then there's um, some people out there who would say, well, well, if you can't hear it, why not do it? But if you took it away, it would impact the rest of the song. Well, So... It's not difficulty it's, it's for difficulty's things, sake. It's adding something to the song, but it's not making the song about being difficult, if that makes any sense. Dude, Tom Sawyer, half of the song Tom Sawyer is written in 7-8 time signature. Yeah. Um, it's in 7. It's an odd time signature. Dude, if you're not a musician who cares, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Hell, I didn't know it was in 7. I can play the song. I don't know. I I did. I didn't even realize it was in seven. I just know the song from. I just know the song from memory. I know it's weird. I'm a drummer. I don't. I just don't. I don't think in terms of time signatures. I just don't. I, I think in terms of the groove and how the song is played. But dude, the way Tom Sawyer is written is the way it should be written. Well, then why does it need to be in seven eight? Because the song. That's just what the song is. You're gonna tell me that they should take Tom Sawyer and and rewrite it and put it in four four. It would sound stupid. Tom Sawyer is Tom Sawyer, and it, it's supposed to be in seven. It is. The whole song is, and it's half the song is. But it's like, it's supposed to be in seven. And and if you and if you don't believe that it's supposed it, that it's meant to be that way, is look at how crazy successful Tom Sawyer is. Look how, look how crazy popular that song is. Everybody knows that song. It's the one Rush song that, you know, everybody who listened to the rock music knows the song Tom Sawyer. 99% of them don't know it. It but Look. There's making something easy look hard is one thing. But making something hard look easy is different. And I don't mean like an athlete who makes doing something really crazy hard to do look as if it's flawless for them. What I mean is, because that's one thing, right? Like, Ingve makes playing Ingve look easy because it's so effortless the way he does it. That's not what I mean. I mean, making something that is extremely hard to do look as if it wasn't extremely hard to do. It sounds, a, it's a weird thing, but that is a crazy art. That is a crazy art because here's the thing at the end of the damn day, dude, look, look man. I'll use an example that you'll use, and you've used this a thousand times. Dude, I am a big fan of Michelangelo Badio. I think he's, first of all, I, I, no one would disagree that he's a great guitar player. I met the guy. He was really nice. I learned a lot from his guitar clinic. He He's a passionate guitar teacher. I think he's a great guy. 
And I've heard him say some things that are counterintuitive to what you would think about him. He's all about the shredding and playing fast. And But first of all, he has come out and said that the, 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 the super fast you know, uh, style that he has, he's like, I did that because Eddie Van Halen had his thing, Ingve had his thing, and Randy Rhodes had his thing, so I needed to have my own thing. I wanted to do something that wasn't what those three guys were doing at the time. And he says flat out, he's like, dude, the double guitar, he's like, and this kind of stuff, he's like, I'm doing it because it's part of a show. Like, he admits that that is literally just because he wants to be entertaining for his fans. Look, man, awesome, totally agree. Somebody please name a song by Michelangelo Badio. Like I guess yeah, you could name a song or two by Nitro. But yeah. the the guy does not write he, Dude, he's a brilliant guitar player. I, I will never I will never I mean, say a bad word about Michelangelo Badio. Even Yingve, even Yingve but what songs he's never that... done. There are Yingve songs that you can hum. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. You like can hum you and think whistle if he, in your head. That's what I'm saying. The point I'm trying to make is I'm agreeing with you is like Ingve's songs, the ones that were hits for him, I mean, as close as he got to a hit, weren't his, like, watch what I can do songs. They were his songs that were written like actual songs that people want to listen to. Remember, it's like you and I were just talking about this with Marty Friedman when Marty Friedman was, like, playing in the arpeggios. And he's like, who asked you to play that? Certainly not your girlfriend. You know, like, and, and I know that's that's a weird way of saying, like, bottom line is, you know, Yes, other musicians are impressed when you go up on stage and say, your casual music listener is like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, I want to hum along to this, or I want to have a hook. Let me me throw this out as a random example. I'll throw this out as a random example. It's it's why why the... It's why the Harlem Globetrotters aren't all in the NBA. Shouldn't they all be the, the, the? Shouldn't they all be like the greatest stars in the NBA? Shouldn't they be? You would think. Why aren't they? You know, it's funny because because they're really good at trick shots. It's really funny because there's a lot of guys who now social media has made a whole subculture of a lot of this stuff, and in hockey in particular, you know, as a, I'm a hockey player. And a lot of the coaches are like, yeah, all the kids want to imitate these guys who are like, and this this applies to metal. When all these shredders and stuff came out, all the kids wanted to imitate these guys who were going a thousand miles an hour, like all the hockey players. They want to imitate these guys who are like flipping the puck around and 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 throwing it up in the air and catching it and hitting it in midair. Like, but that stuff doesn't work in a game. Just like, watch how many notes I can play is not going to write a memorable song. And look, I get it. Not everybody wants to go out and write a... Me- not everybody wants to have a top hunt, not top 40 album. I get it. And tr- truthfully, if, you're, if you have a guitar in your hands, you're probably not going to anyways. But not everybody wants to write a top 40 album. Not everybody cares about like making the charts. Not everybody cares about selling records, You know, especially like we just talked about home recording. Some guys want to literally go on the internet and just jerk off. Not literally, because that's a whole. Other, there's a whole yeah, other website like, dedicated that's, to that's that. That's me normally. There, there's well, a whole know, other I, website actually, dedicated to that. But I, I think I think I'll, I'll build off what you're saying. the The question is, what are you trying to accomplish? Right. If you're trying to accomplish, I want people to see how fast I can play. Fine. 
Are you trying to accomplish? I want to sell as many records as I possibly can. Well, that's a different story. Or that's are you even trying to? Story. Or are you trying to accomplish the Airhead school? I want to write a song that's going to live on forever. Because uh, you know you right. can write a or, song that's legendary or, and not sell a know, million records. But again, I'll I'll, I'll 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 take a band like Fate's Warning. I'll take a band like Rush. Rush wanted to push the limits of their musicianship, right? While simultaneously pushing the limits, while try, simultaneously trying to write the best songs they could. Those are two often contradictory challenges. I want to I want to push myself musically as far as I can, but I want to write a great song. Rush did not succeed every time. Let's be fair, they didn't succeed every time. But if you look at Rush, you could eat you could, I mean dude, like look dude, they they had some and they had some missteps in the 70s. They did. Power Windows. I mean, actually, why well, I like Power Windows a bit, well, I guess. But I mean, yeah. No, I mean, but like, me, like, me, you saying you like a Rush album is like me saying, "Hey, I like that particular I mean, kind of whiskey." L- let's be fair. <laughs> the, the, the Rush almost Rush almost lost their career because of because of Crest of Steel. You know, they did the Fountain of Lamneth and all that crap, and it's like, I mean, it's cool, but dude, it's so far out in left field that you're like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But then. They take a song like Xanadu, which is this mega monster of a prog rock track that, dude, you could just listen to it because it's awesome. I mean, dude, here's a great example. Look at the song The Spirit of Radio, which they purposely wrote to not be so intense to play. That wouldn't that wouldn't be so hard on them physically to play that song. Can can, let's let's be fair. Look at Spirit of Radio, dude. That's a catchy damn song. It's a catchy song, and dude, when it comes on the radio, no one turns the channel. You know what I mean? It's a popular song. People like it. The average classic rock radio listener likes the song of Spirit of Radio, dude. The main riff is a bitch to play. Just the main damn riff of that song is a bitch. You know what I'm talking about? The yeah, the, the- yeah. It is. It's a pain in the butt. There's a ton to the drums. The bass is wacky. That song is not easy to play. But you don't notice. And 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 I I have and look, dude. I mean, and and I'm even okay that. Look, take a band like Symphony X. Do you notice they're a prog band? Yes, but not the whole time. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there might be an extended solo section in the middle where they get kind of crazy. But they're not going to do that if there's not a song bookending it. There, there's going to be a song bookending it. Symphony X is great at writing really, really obnoxiously crazy prog music that is really, really listenable. I mean, dude, I mean, you like the record. Like, listen to the album Paradise Lost by Symphony X. Mm-hmm. You can listen to that whole record. And Iconoclast is the one after it which is even way more proggy and has way more hooks in it too. I mean like like the song The End of Innocence by by um uh by Symphony X from the Iconoclast record. It's so flippin' catchy. And yet the it's it's all over dude I don't I, I 
I couldn't imagine being a guitar player and trying to play what that guy does. The drums are hard as hell, too, but I, I couldn't imagine being a guitar player and trying to cover a Symphony X song. Yeah, good luck, man. Have fun. And for the, for the five people on YouTube that can do it, congratulations to you. I'm happy for you. I, I wouldn't want to be the guy that tried to do that. Um, but hooking it back to, to, symphony, to Sympathetic Resonance, that to me is John Arch and Jim Matteo, they're pushing it on that record. <clears throat> They're, I, I mean, they are really pushing the prog end as far as they can push it while still making it listenable. I, I And I do. I think it's super listenable. In fact, uh, well, dude, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the last song. It's called Incense and Myrrh. Um, it's like the, 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 the least like crazy song in the record, but it's just the vocals are just incredible. I listen to that record and I go, dude, John, where the hell have you been? Mm-hmm. But could you imagine, could you realize like, you listen to that record came out in 2011 and you go, dude, you got, you haven't even sang in the shower in 30 years. You know what I mean? The guy just stopped singing. He stopped singing entirely. Then he did that record in 03 and then he stopped singing again for another eight years. How the hell is that possible? I mean, I'm aware that that means he didn't strain his throat for all those years, but he also wasn't keeping it in shape either. It's very weird. Very weird. I didn't mean to go off on a million tangents for this record, but it's a really, really good record. Um, I, and I know you. I mean, I, I don't even know what all you wanted to say about it. It's just it's it's incredible. No, I mean, really, I put it on here like knowing that it's an underrated album, and and I've I, I like the album, and like I said, when you when you, I I like I like Fate's Warning, but I am in no way, shape, or form the Fate's Warning fan that you are. I like a sampling of their albums like you know I, I love awaken the guardian and even awaken the guardian like you're right Jar- john arch took me a while to get into uh king diamond took me a while to get into yeah. for years i used to tell you well, like i don't i don't you know i can't get into king diamond and then it took you know i listened to fatal portrait one night and it just happened to hit me right um yeah, his voice. well and and thing is like with, with with fate's warning awaken the guardian is the easiest fate's warning to ease into John's voice with. Yeah. Like, John's voice on Awaken the Guardian is weird, but it's not, like, it's not all over the place. I mean, it kind of is, but, well, dude, like, like, like the Spectre Within is the is the John Arch record that really, like, I whip my skippy over. Dude, if you don't like John Arch, you're not making it through that record. No, I, and I do like... through that record. But that's the thing. Like, you have to you have to learn to appreciate it. It's, and I will say the same thing about Sirith Ungol. And it's a band... You've liked for a long time, and I've I've just kind of gotten well, into. Well, that's another one you can add to the list. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, fire. And if you listen to to frost and fire, um, it's it's accessible, and their vocalist doesn't sound kind of all over the place. But then you go into uh, King of the Dead, he starts going more extreme. And if I would have listened to King yeah, of the Dead first, the sometimes. Well, and that's the thing. If I would listen to King of the Dead first, I'd have been like, "Oh, this is not for me." But because I listen to Frost and Fire, I'm like, oh, I get it. And, you know, I like Doom. I like and, old school and I, Doom. By the way, I am I am the exact same way because had I heard it in that order, I wouldn't have liked it either. And that's and King of the Dead is the one that everybody re, you know recommends. Oh, you got to listen to King of the Dead. It's such a great album. If I would have listened to King of the Dead first, I would have been like, uh, no. You know, these vocals but, are terrible. What, yeah. You know, and I, I love old school Doom. I love yeah, Pentagram. I, I love Saint Vitus. That's why you're like, because like, I, I, I heard Frost and Fire first. A million years. Well, ago, that's what I'm saying. Awesome. Like, so, so I I like old school Doom, and and they were a proto Doom band. Like they were Doom before Doom was a thing. Um, 
and I like Pentagram. I like St. Vitus. I love old candle mass. You know, I love all those old, like black Sabbathy type doom bands. And I'm not talking about like the modern, like stoner doom. I'm talking about like seventies and eighties, mostly eighties doom. So I listen, I recently listened to frost, excuse me, frost and fire because you know, you, you for a long time told me, Oh, Sir Thungle is awesome. Sir Thungle is awesome. And I just never paid attention to him, but, um, you know, I I was on yeah, a huge. Can we doom- be fair? I only paid attention to them because their because their album covers look like D and D books. Well, and that was on purpose. It's their album covers that made me well, want to listen to them to the begin with. So I bought I bought their first two albums on vinyl, and they had these great like Metal Blade did a great job releasing these packages of of albums. That so, like they released the first Sarah Ungle album, Frost and Fire. There's two different versions of the album. There's the there's the complete remaster, and then there's a 2021 remix. They do sound completely different. Meaning, if you listen to them one after the other, you're like, "Holy crap! I can totally see what they did." In my opinion, the new remat, the re- new remix, sounds incredible. The 2021 remaster sounds good, but if it, you know, seeing as that they're on different records, more than on, more than, more likely than not, the first record's going to get more play from me. Um, point being, they all came with these like two or three, you know, page books that have like explanations around the origins of the band, all the band members talking about like recording the album and doing everything. And you know, it, it, what you're talking about there in terms of like the whole fantasy aspect and stuff like that is heavily mentioned in there. Um, and, and I know, I know you, you, you love the band, you like the band, but I can't recommend you would like getting these records, um, on vinyl, um, for, you would love reading those liner notes, because I, I, I could totally see you getting into reading those like interviews and, and backgrounds of everything. And some of it's in Slagle's book, but these albums go way more in depth. Um, so if you ever get a chance to get them, I can't recommend them enough to you. And and I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to like obviously recommend you something you recommended me backwards. But you know, there's some of those albums and you and I always talk about it how when when they re release albums you know, it's great to own the original and be like, oh, cool, I own the first pressing and it's, you know, it's the original one the band put out and everything. And I get that because I have some of those. But sometimes it's worthwhile getting those represses because you get those little booklets. Like, I think Nine Inch Nails was a prime example of that. When Nine Inch Nails re-released their back catalog, every album came with like a a 20-page booklet that was all interviews with Trent Reznor talking about making the album. And Sierra Thungle is the same way. Like, they're all looking back on the album talking about, oh, when we made this, this is what things were like. And, you know, this is what we were going for. And these are the challenges we faced. And I love those little things. Like, that's why I read all, like, you and I both read a lot of music nonfiction, like biographies, Brian Slagle, stuff like that. I love reading about those those things about the album. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to go off on Fungal like that, but I know we were no, still no, talking about they're Archimedeus. a great example for the topic, too. Yeah, yeah no, but I mean, they're like, a great they're, example they're, for, the, for the topic. And Brian Slagle talks about how when they first came out, nobody got them. Like, everybody was like, I don't quite get what they're doing here. Yes, they had fans. They were not a failure of a band, but they didn't take off. And he said, actually, it was years later when some other bands, like the the metalcore bands like Killswitch and Gage and some of those bands were coming out and saying, oh, we listen to Sirith Ungle. And then everybody and, you know, the kids who were getting into, you know, Killswitch and Gage and, and those types of bands were like, well, who's Sirith Ungle? And then he, Brian Slagle's like... Well, suddenly I'm going to shows with 16-year-old kids wearing Sirith Ungle t-shirts. And he goes, and that's great. 
He's like, he's not complaining. Like, he's saying that's great. Um, and now they're kind of getting that recognition. So their albums are being put back out. And Brian Slagle actually has a, a lot to say about the power of re-releases. So with vinyl being as big as it is, um, he's saying it's great to be able to put some of those old albums that he loves so much out again because some of the record labels have gone defunct. Some of the record labels aren't even interested in releasing the records. So what Slagle does is he's like, I'll license them. So um, anyways, long story short, you know, Arshmatheo's awesome. Um, um, Sirithungal is another band that I think is underrated as well. I, I didn't want to put them on my list because to be honest with you, you know, you're you're much more familiar with them than I am. They're still kind of new to me. They're a band I'd heard of for years, but they're not my thing. They're you know, for a long time they weren't my yeah, but, thing. I mean, you know what in, I mean? In fairness, that's that. In fairness, I think that's why they made sense to be on the list. Yeah, I'm you know, saying and, seriously, they're a classic example of a band who, 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 or a record. You know, the Frost and Fire. Like, dude, it should be. It's a record that should be on. They should. That album should have a, have a seat at the table, you know. And King of the um, Dead too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the band, yes, but they also were around and then they went away for a long, long time. Then again, yeah, they, they, their last oh. album was in '91 and they didn't come back until like the mid 2000s, I think, or something like that. I mean, so I I get that they didn't exist for a long time. I get it, but on the other hand, they. They, 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 Frost and Fire, at least, if nothing else, at least that. Um, yeah. But they, they, they should be, um, they, they should be a band that should be right there, um, right, right there. I mean, in in general. I mean, and again, this is not a band you've never heard of. That's not the point. This is just bands that don't get. And again, they're not underrated. It, it, those words are weird. You know, it's it's like bands that don't mean, get their due sometimes. I guess yeah, maybe, they're or something just like that. Okay, yes, or 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 band. Yeah, I mean bands that don't get their due, or like I said, like bands that are just often not included in that list that they should be a part of. Yeah, that's you know? not going to be the title of the show. <laughs> bands yeah, that no, are I not know. included in that list of bands that should be included in. <laughs> right, but you know what I mean. Like 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 they're 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 not. I'll put it this way: they're not a list bands, and they should be. Yeah. No. And and you know, at least in the metal world. Um, but another band I wanted to bring up was so this is a newer band, but it's something I yeah. know you can talk a lot talk to as well. Like I'm trying to I'm trying to think of bands that like yeah, whatever. Aren't I mean, just whatever. Me. Even if it's one that I can't talk about, that's cool too. Um, well, I did that with Drain Sth. So the other another band I wanted to mention is The Haunted with Made Me Do It. Um, that record is so flipping good though, and it's so good. But the problem is, and I don't want to say the problem is that's wrong terminology. So The Haunted made me do it was I think early 2000s and it was after yeah. The Haunted The Haunted which was an awesome album they got Marco Aro in on The Haunted made me do it and this was a thrash album when thrash was out of style like, yeah. oh yeah oh 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 yeah oh yeah so oh yeah you gotta remember when this album came out this is not when the new wave of thrash this is not when the Havocs and the Municipal Wastes and and no this is when our band was experiencing the fact that no one cared about thrash right we were paying we were playing thrash when the haunted was playing thrash and, 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 and by the way that is not a that is not a nod to us that is us saying we were also we also found out that no one cared about thrash metal for about 10 years right and you know from the like late 90s to like 2005 2006 like no one cared and we realized that too and that's what happened to this record for sure right. 
And that, this album was a this album is the is the right album wrong time. And no, and and it but it was I feel like and although people I think respect this album, I think it's one of those albums that is forgotten in terms of its impact on modern music, meaning it was the thrash album that helped people get, in my opinion, helped people get back interested in thrash. Um, it was the problem with the damn album was every review, every damn review of this record was nothing more than just another Slayer wannabe, and it was nothing like Slayer. There's nothing Slayer about that, dude. There is a hell of a lot of thrash metal. You could point to a lot of other stuff. It wasn't Slayer. No, I'm sorry, dude. No, I mean this sorry, band was Slayer. nothing like Slayer, and that that's the thing. And especially with There's Marco, a lot of bands you could say it sounded like. Especially with Marco, Slayer wasn't one of them. Like I, I'm, I'm lucky. I feel lucky we got to see the Haunted with Marco Arrow when oh, they yeah. opened up for Cannibal Corpse when the Spring Neck Break tour came through. And I'll be honest with you, the pit for the Haunted was way more intense than the pit for Cannibal Corpse. I got my nose almost oh, was, broken in the pit for the Haunted. Really, 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 really crazy. And I loved seeing that band. Like seriously, when they played, when they played "Bury Your Dead," like the whole freaking place went off the hinges. Um, there like, wasn't a lot of people there yet, but they were crazy. Yeah, no, the haunt. But so the haunt. Well, Lamb of God played. Lamb of God opened. Lamb of God yeah, played and- before them. And I'm not into Lamb of God, but dude, <laughs> they the crowd dug them, man. The crowd dug them. They were they they Lamb of God did a great job being an opening band on that tour. And I'm, this is coming from someone who doesn't like them. Coming no, from someone who doesn't like them. You and I, you and I actually, I think we were at the bar while Lamb of God was playing. Like, you know, because you could see the stage from the bar. So we weren't like being jerks and like left the venue. Like we, you know, we were sitting at the edge of the bar and you could look over and see the stage. We did the same thing for, uh, 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 who was the black metal band that played that was boring as all hell? Um, uh, Dimu Borgir. Dimu Borgir. And by the way, I'm not criticizing Demo Borgir. I'm saying watching no, them we, was boring as hell. We've said a hundred times that they were just boring as hell. Yeah, on they that just tour. stood in one place and played. Right. And they had like and a it ten was, minute like instrumental intro to their set. It was when Puritanical that record came out. And dude, I by the way, I just listened to it the other re- uh, the other day. It's a freaking incredible album. Like, dude, I was listening to that record the other day and I was like, God, I forgot how good this is. I don't listen to much to much Demo, and I'm telling you, that album is f- Freakishly good. It's freakishly good. But you're right. I was bored. Yeah. So I then know. the haunted came. I th- I think I'm thinking of the same show. Maybe I'm mixing it, it up. But so then the haunted it was came on. Haunted, and I, I was Dimu looking forward Channel to the haunted. Course. The haunted. I discovered the haunted. I was really looking forward to Dimu, and I was like, eh, okay. <laughs> well, and I discovered the haunted as we as we talk about all the time on the show when we worked at the radio station. The guy we took over the show for, and this is in no way a criticism to him, because the dude, this dude, new metal up, up, backwards, forwards, upside down, left and right. You wouldn't know it by looking at him, but I had nothing but the utmost. He was literally a guy. If you would have, we, we walked into the radio station the first time we met him, and we're thinking like, oh, this guy's gonna have like long hair, and he's gonna be wearing like a Slayer shirt and everything. Well, let's be fair. He looked more like Eddie Trunk did. Well, and he, we walk in. He literally is wearing a polo shirt, sensible jeans, a pair of Docker shoes. And, like, look, I mean, at the time, we were, like, 16-year-old kids. So, like, don't hold it against us too much being like, oh, you think all metalheads need to dress like another? No, no, no. Like, we, we expected it because... Well, actually, we were younger than that, but yeah. Uh, we were even younger than that. So, 
we, we met this dude. And he, I mean, like, you know, he, you know, it was a college radio station. So, like, don't think we were, like, hanging out with, as teenagers with, like, creepy dudes. No, like, he was, like, right around our age. Anyways, um, he was a cool dude, but he knew his stuff. Like, he, he was just, like, a normal dude who, like, he was, like, one of those guys who you see who you're, like, like, what's that guy doing at the metal show? And then you talk to him and you're, like, oh, he knows more than I do and he knows it better than I do. Well, let, let's be, can we, I, I will say this, though. And I, I do wanna I do wanna make a differentiator, and this is in no way putting him down because I will never say a bad word about that guy. He's a uh, he, he's still an incredible guy. Yeah, he's still and a cool dude. A, We're still friends with him. He's, yeah, he's a cool dude. He's an incredible guy. He's great at what he did. But there was a different, and actually, we say this a lot on this show, and even when we worked in radio, I would still say it's the same. Yeah, he was a huge heavy metal fan from a metal industry perspective. But he, he did like I mean the was, music, though. No, 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 no. He did, but in fairness, he liked a handful of it. The rest of it, he thought was cool. But what I meant was, he was more of like a a, a metal industry fan. Yeah, and, and I point that out for a reason. That is why all of the records that weren't being pushed by labels, he didn't look at. Yeah, you know, he looks not ever. But my point is. You, he wasn't much of a deep cuts guy. He was. Let and, me put it this way: he was like he was a traditional radio dude. Meaning, his job was to push what the records. One job was at a country radio station because well, he was good at it. right. And our job, we took the more Brian Slagle approach. He took, here's what you should be listening to, and we took, here's what we think you should be listening to. You know, meaning no, it wasn't even that. I think we just took the he he took we took the hell. This is just what we like. Well, that but that's what I mean. Like, but that's what I mean. Like, Brian Slagle when he put out Metal Massacre didn't say, didn't say what bands are going to sell this record. He said what bands are awesome that I want people to hear. Meaning, you know what I mean. I so mean, we took Slagle that approach. Signed Cannibal, he signed Cannibal Corpse because they had a song called A Skull Full of Magic. Yeah, and he mentioned that he in signed his King's X. Books. He signed King's X because he liked them and he couldn't figure out what to do with them. And he um, still didn't care, but he, and he still was like, "Yeah, but yeah. I like them." But but that's but the, well, he always says that. He always says he signs bands he likes. He does not sign he bands sign he does bands not for like. Potential. He signed. I mean, he did, but I mean, like, it wasn't that. It was I like these bands. But but my point being is, and the whole point I'm trying to make about this whole thing is just to say, so when we walked into this room, it's not like we inherited the show from somebody who didn't know what they were doing. But there was a whole bin of CDs that were discard CDs, meaning. Oh yeah, we we asked about them. We're like, what are these? And they're like, oh yeah, those are just CDs their label sent me that they're not really, you know, whatever. That's how I discovered the haunted because I pulled the first haunted album out of there. It's how I, I discovered it's how I discovered once sent through the golden hall. It's how I discovered Amon Amarth in the nineties. It's how I discovered my dying bride in the nineties. Yep. It's how I discovered Old Man's Child. Old Man's Child is the first black metal band I ever liked. There's I still love them. It's how I it's how I discovered Haunted. It's how I discovered uh, uh, Dismember. It's how I discovered Cryptopsy. And like Immortal. Immortal. I th I don't know if I got Immortal out of there, but no, I can't remember. I, 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 oh, I thought you did, but um, I think I got Damned in Black, like because somebody recommended it to me. Um, but I mean, seriously, like there's so many. But again. We were fans, and we were just like, well, we're going to go digging through the bins to find stuff. Right. We were looking for ourselves. They were in the bins. They were in the bins because they weren't ones that were going to get any traction on right. the radio show. You know, he, In other words, he did what you should do on a radio show. We did what we did 
just because we wanted to just listen to what we liked. Right. But, dude, our, our show now is the same way. Right. Our sh- we do not do this show properly. Well, we don't do this show, and the- it's funny because one of the one of the fo- one of the uh, creators I-, I follow, he's a comedian, and he goes on YouTube. Big metalhead, big thrash guy. Um, he was just his name is uh, I believe you know what? I'll look up his channel. I'll give him a plug because he's he's a good guy. He plays hockey. He's a fellow hockey player, and um, you know he's a fellow hockey player. He's Canadian, which I I almost didn't need to say. <laughs> he's a fellow hockey player and Canadian um, because, I, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Well, if you're a hockey player, you're not necessarily Canadian. But if you're Canadian, you're, if you're Canadian and you're not coming in a wheelchair, you're a hockey player. And if you're coming in a wheelchair, it's because you used to be a hockey player. So you know what I mean? <laughs> the channel is Thrash TV. Uh, his name is Chris. He is uh, he's a cool dude. Like, I've never met. The, by the way, I've never met the guy and I'm not plugging him because of any. I, I expect anything in return. Like we've we've always said on this show. There's people just like us out there who he, he's trying to make a living on this. He's trying to make he's on he's actually on Cameo, which is funny because I wish we were on Cameo because I would I I would Yeah, I've tried, but we don't have a social media following, so we can't do I it. would pay for you to be able to do cameos because I would love to see him myself. The, the the number one thing you have to have is a big social media following and we don't. And they're like, How many social media followers how many Instagram followers you have? And I write like seventeen, you know, or whatever. Like <laughs> seventeen. We're not we're not um, No, I we're know, not, but we're not doing I would it. pay money to be able to I, I would pay for you to do cameos. Um we we should do it independently. But anyway, so Thrash TV is on YouTube. Um and he was just talking about this, how people constantly send him like, promote my album, promote my album, promote my album. I, I'm a I'm a and look, I, I don't want to sound like a jerk or anything like that. Bottom line is, it's not that we don't care about your music. It's not that we don't care about you know what you're trying to do. It's not that we don't care about you. It's just that's not what this show is about. This show is not about, hey, I heard these 17 bands today who sent me links to their pages. You should go listen to them and buy their stuff. This, yeah, this show, is not the yeah, it's not. I mean, we, dude, we talk about hell when we talk about album. Like, our we've turned away week, friends before asking us to do that, dude. Our pick of the week is one album every week. Half the time we don't do it, and half the time it's not even a new album. Yeah. Our pick of the week is literally just what the hell did we listen to this week? Yeah, and I feel bad because at, again, at times we we've turned away friends, we've turned away people who have supported the show, we've turned away, you know. We, we've inadvertently turned away people who have supported the show, who are our, our actual, and, like, and we know in real life, who are like, hey, I just released an album. And we're like, yeah, but we don't really do that. Like, it's, it's funny. It's like, and on the flip side, a, a good friend of ours put out a record that, that I did promote, but it had nothing to do with it. Right. And actually, we don't really, but that's another thing, too. We don't really promote albums on here. Right. It's a different thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. We might say you should check this out. But it's more just like we're just talking about stuff, and it's like, oh man, if you haven't heard it, it's really good. Yeah, and it's you just, know, it's a different format, man. It's it's a different. It, it's just a it's a it's a great thing. It's just we're not. We did one we, interview it's the same on the show. We don't, do, we don't do interviews on this. We show. did one interview on the show in 2018 when I interviewed Dave Matrice, and literally, I we were trying to start a new thing on the show, meaning we were trying to get interviews and stuff. We emailed a bunch of bands we were all going to see. Like we we even emailed Anthrax. And we, were, we had one set up, but I'm we so had glad one we set up, it. but it got it got bumped because you know it was during the Slayer fell. Where it wasn't during the Slayer fell farewell it was, tour. It was yeah, and it ended up like oh you know you guys aren't important enough, which I get it. You know we aren't. 
I'm not trying to slam Anthrax for that by any stretch of the imagination. And but, actually, actually, that's not even what happened. It's he didn't do interviews that day. Yeah. So like it wasn't just us. Like everybody got bumped. Yeah. So but when we got there, the 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 order of the bands when they were playing was different than it was normally too. Yeah. So I actually. I actually believe it. You know, I mean, dude, if we got bumped because we're nobodies, I, I, I'm okay. I with don't that. care, whatever. But I mean, that's not why. Um, but, but I mean, I have one of those to be... things when you when you when we started doing the show, we had other ideas, and then eventually yeah. you were like, dude, let's just not do that. But but I mean, you know? I I happened to be driving through Rochester when Jungle Rot and Havoc were playing, and I emailed their promoters, and Jungle Rot's promoter said, yeah, we'd love for you to talk to Dave Matrice. So I did. And, you know, we were hoping to start that being a segment. Like, we used to do a segment on the radio called the Fireside Chat where we'd talk to musicians, we'd talk to you, and we'd schedule interviews and stuff like that. We were, But at the end of the day, we realized that, like, it it starts to become a job then and starts because we have to start chasing people and we have to start, like, pushing Dude. people. And, and with that, a lot of times comes strings, meaning, oh, yeah, we'll let you talk to this person, but you're going to have to tell people to buy their album, which... You and I, and, and and not only that, but a lot of times on radio, it happens as, oh, we'll let you talk to Charlie, but there's also this other band over here who we're really trying to push, so why don't you tell your yeah. listeners to buy this album, and then if you tell your listeners to buy this album, then we'll let you talk to Charlie. Dude, it's le legitimately, on our old radio show, after about a year, year and a half of doing the show, we kind of never did interviews anymore. Yeah. We just stopped doing them. We stopped doing them because we got sick of it. Yeah. yeah, I interviewed some cool people. We got I sick did, of the tit so for you. tat. Like we you got know, sick payola. of the. I mean, payola is essentially what it is. Yeah, I mean, we got really. sick. We got sick of the like, well, push this album and we'll let you talk to this band you want to talk to or that your listeners want to hear what, about. What's funny is after a while, we just stopped caring. We just stopped being like, "Hey, man, send us the records and we're going to listen to it. and We're going to play it." And I, 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 I became kind of a a pain in the ass to a lot of the record promoters because I would just be like, "Dude." I kind of do. They would call me up. These are the records we're pushing this week. And I go, I kind of don't care. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know it, was to, it was to our detriment, too, because at the time, like, we were charting, like, station. And it was, it was kind of, a, again, a tit for tat. Like, if you want to be a charting station, you need the record labels supporting you because, the, you know, you basically need to, like, show we care what you think. And when you tell the record labels, we don't care what you think, the record labels tell you, well, we don't care what you think. And yeah, you lose I mean, your was, status. Th there was a time when we were on the Metal Blade shortlist and yeah. Central Media too. We were on there like really, really short. Not you and me, but our radio show was on the shortlist of the priority stations. That which again, dude, we're talking. 2000. Most of them were college radios or smaller stations. I'm not saying we were com we weren't competing well, because against big, like. But the thing is, we weren't competing against big radio stations because big radio stations didn't play that crap. Right, but we were on. We were at one point in time on the shortlist, and we knew we were because we got a ton of cool stuff because of it. It's how we got the you know the the Halford interviews. It's how we got the you know the 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 Dio passes or whatever it was. It's how we got that stuff, and that was really cool. But after a little while, it just became too much of a damn job. And at the end of the day, we're like, dude, we we have a we have a small following. I don't want to. I'm not here to push records on him anymore, man. Well, and that's I how just, we feel now. I just want to play stuff we like, and that's what we do here. That's what we do now. It's like we don't. And look again, people have reached out this, to us who have a lot of respect of our for, old radio show. Except we don't play music here. That's all it is. I have a lot. There's people who've reached out who who say like, you know, can you interview us and stuff like that. And we honestly do try to make it happen sometimes. But the bottom line is this: again, 
Duff and I have real jobs. Duff and I have like, and and when I say real jobs, I'm not being a, I'm not being a dick when I say that. I'm saying like this is not our I job. Own a what home. I mean. Yeah, but what what I mean is this is not my job. Meaning right, I was you and I there, would be homeless if we depended on this show for income. Um, meaning yeah. you and I have careers like outside of this that have nothing to do with music, nothing to do with metal, and you know. What I mean by that is it, it becomes difficult to schedule stuff. Like, when do we do interviews? Like, when do we do this? When do we do that? Like, we all have commitments and stuff like that. So, you know, this show for us, you know, a lot, you know, I remember one listener came to me. They, they met me at the Crypto concert. I, I don't want to give away their name because I don't know if they feel comfortable with that or not. But they they came, they bought me a drink and everything. Else, and I was talking to them and they like, hey, you know, we you know, I really appreciate, you know, your show during the pandemic because when I was isolated when I was home you know when I couldn't go anywhere and nothing was open and everything like that I felt like I had friends to talk to or to listen to or you know to interact with and I, I really meant a lot to me like it meant a ton to me and you know I, I really appreciated hearing that and you know the, the whole point of the show is to be like is to have that kind of interaction where you don't feel like we're telling you hey you know why don't you go and buy this album? Because this guy promised me I could talk to Charlie Benante or I could talk to Rob Halford if you buy this album. And, you know, we don't we don't want that. Like, we want you to say different. It's no different than like if if a friend like like if our if our, um, you know, uh, Kevin, if if it. Hi, Kevin. (laughs) If Kevin were to message me and be like, dude, have you checked this record out? Right. He's like, dude, you'll dig it. Like, I'll listen to it. That's what this is. This is not. He's not trying to sell. He's not trying to sell me records. He's not trying to promote. Rec- he's just is like, dude, this record's awesome. Check it out. Yeah, and, then, you know? and that's what we want the show to be. We want the show it. to be like you it's listen to us, thing. like you listen to. And you know what? It's sometimes to our. It's actually most of the time to our detriment. I mean, you and I, if we put our full like, you're you're a you're a expert on marketing. I'm an expert on like web page building and technology and all that other stuff like that. Like that's what we do for a living basically without revealing too much about our personal lives. But if you and I really like focused on the show and said, you know what, we're going to do this and we're going to turn this into a business. First of all, the show would be drastically different. Second of all, we wouldn't have those like personal connections with our listeners. And I would rather have 20 people listening to the show who say, I really appreciate the show. And I really like, enjoy what you guys have to say and I love your recommendations and stuff like that than to have two million listeners who say to me like yeah I bought that album you told me I should buy and it sucks I mean we just got it, it kind of goes back to the story we said earlier about you know your guitar player what do you want to accomplish well what do we want to accomplish right I don't know, we want to have we want to have fun like and we want to connect with people like, yeah this shows as much for us as it is for everybody listening I mean it, it, it dude we we it's fun. It's fun. The show is fun for us to do. Yes, there are times when I'm like, ah, damn it, I got to do the show tonight. But that is just a reaction of that means I can't just sit here and watch a movie and drink beer or go to sleep. That, yeah. that means I have to get up off my ass and go do something. And it, it is it is never doing the show is not a chore. The act of having to do something is the chore. Yeah, no, I say the same thing. I was talking. I was playing hockey this morning and me and the other goalie. We're sitting there and, and I looked and we're both looking at our hockey bags and we're saying like, you know, it's seven o'clock in the morning and we're both like, like, I really don't want to do this right now until you get on the ice. But yeah. that's the thing. When you get on the ice, when you turn on the microphone, 
you know, like meaning the show, you're happy you did it. You're like, okay, you know what? I feel good that I did that. Like, I, I'm glad I did that. I had a good time. I laughed. I had a good time. I had fun. Yes, it sucks, like, getting up, doing it, staying up sometimes till 3 or 4 in the morning, as you and I do, and then waking up the next day and continuing on with life. But at the same time, we're glad we did it. And, and our listeners are why. You know, like, people will message us and say, like, hey, you know, like, again, like, you got me through the pandemic. You know, when I couldn't go anywhere or do anything, I still felt like I was in touch with people. Um, people will message us all the time and say, like, you know, I love that album you recommended me or, oh, dude, you know, check this out. And we really, really do want to bring back listener picks again. Yeah, but our listeners suck. They're lazy. Well, no, but our <laughs> no, they're, listeners they're as lazy as we are. No, no. Our listeners send us a ton of picks and you and I got lazy. Oh, yeah, but it's so much easier to blame. Them. Well, but, but I'm saying like, you know, but no, you know but truthfully, you and I like got busy. Like you and I, you you got a you got you you went you went in a different direction with your career. I got like a I went in a different direction with my career and we just got busy to the point of and I always I mean, told I, I, I two years ago I mean just for my for my career perspective like during the original run of the show the first episode I the, the only time I missed an episode and we didn't broadcast was the weekend I was starting my new job and like that was May of 2022 yeah so like it's only been you know the last less than the last two years that i went from doing like my my career could not be more different than what it was you know i mean they're they're not even in the same category they're nothing alike but um they build off the same they build off the same skill set that's not what i mean but, but like it's my and my point is though, but yeah, I mean, like my life is completely different than it was two years ago. But that's what I'm Just saying, like truth. you know, like you know, we we don't and and I always told everybody when when they send us listener picks, I take it seriously. What do I mean oh, by I do that? Too. I don't want to listen to the first two tracks of the album because I'm busy, or because I don't have right. time, or because I want to listen to something else. Because the bottom line is this: if you don't want to listen to what you're listening to, you're not going to enjoy it. Well, and I and I want to critically listen to it as right. well. Well, that's the thing. Like, I want to actually let the, that's exactly what I mean. I don't want to just say, okay, I got a lot of work to do. I'm just going to put it on. And occasionally my ear will, will pick up on a few things. No, I want to sit down and listen to it. And the problem was I got to a point in my life where I couldn't. We got so many listener picks where I couldn't say to myself, I'm going to give this an honest try. So that's why our listener picks kind of evaporated. And then, you know, you get into a routine where you just kind of forget to do it. So I, I know it sounds like I'm, I'm like gaslighting people. But the reason why we stopped doing listener picks originally was just honestly because I felt bad about somebody taking the time to send me an album and say, hey, I really think you're going to like this. And me saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll check it out. Listening to 30 seconds of each song and giving my opinion on it. And yeah, our, mean, our listener picks are how we've discovered our listener picks are how I got into ghoul. Our listener picks are how you and I both started appreciating cattle decapitation a little yeah. more. Our listener pick got me into beast in black, which is yeah, such a flipping good band. So and albeit their third album didn't do to me what their first two did. Their first two albums still blow me away when I listen to them, especially their first one. Oh my God. By the way, by the way, there's a band I want to add to this list. Um, I was just I was scrolling down through my iTunes. Uh -huh. There's a band I want to I want to put on this list, and you and I talked about these guys not that long ago. Okay, and 
I listened to both of their albums not long ago, and I still hold on to the fact that these seriously kick ass. Now, let me preface by saying something. Up until this point, we have talked about bands that should have a seat at the table. That's not what this is. <laughs> this is more just a band that put out two albums that seriously kick ass, and uh, we're kind of sort of talked about a little bit at the time, and I never, ever hear them mentioned again. It's a damn shame. And you'll know where I'm going with this. Do you know why it's a damn shame that this band is never talked about anymore? Why? With how much Dave Lombardo is talked about these days. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Are you going to say Grip Inc.? I'm exactly going to say Grip They're Inc. on my Their list. Awesome. They're on my list. Good. They should be. Dude, they but, kick but, ass. But, but, which album? Both of them. Okay. I put no, Power, I mean, of Inner- Power of Inner Strength is the better That's why I, I put Power of Inner Strength. Now, granted, it doesn't have legions upon legions. <laughs> no, 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 no. Power of Inner Strength does have ostracized on it. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh, Nemesis is the second one. Nemesis that has, like, is... I screwed up. Sorry. I meant Nemesis. Nemesis has like Pathetic Liar, Portrait yeah, of Henry. Yeah, yeah. I meant to put Nemesis. For some reason, I put Power of Inner Strength. So you, you, you want the second one? Yeah, Nemesis, in my opinion, is the better album. The one with Pathetic Liar. And yeah, Portrait yeah, Henry. Portrait um, Henry. Yeah. See, I don't see. I don't know, man. I, I, dude, I've been drink. I've been drinking seven and sevens all night. I don't even know what. Let's, I'm talking let's just about put it anymore. this way: it was a band that Dave Lombardo did when he left Slayer. It was his band. I, I never took this as it was a side project. This was his band for a few years. Well, he um, did a few things. He did fan, uh, what is it, fan, uh, Fantamus, whatever, Fant- Fantamus or something. And then he did, um, he, he did the the Testament record. Yeah, um, he did the Gathering. Yeah, but they put out two records in a row, ninety five, ninety seven. Uh, Power of Inner Strength has the song ostracized on it, which there's a video for. Legions upon legions, and then Nemesis, which has um. Pathetic Liar is a cool song. Portrait Henry, Pathetic Liar, like the whole album is. I mean, both those albums are both good. I mean, I'm. Oh, I, agree. I know I said Nemesis, but like it was one of those things where I honestly just think I copied and pasted the first one that I came across, um, because I mean, either they're interchangeable to me, and what I mean by that is they don't sound the same. I don't generally differentiate between the two because they yeah, sound like a continuation yeah. of one another. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, so I'm not picking an album, but I'll say two. But yeah, dude, Grip Inc., hands down. I was just the other day, I, I just the other day listened to both these albums through. And um, they're, they're, they're good. Legions the, upon legions. The vocals, the vocals, you're like, they're kind of, and then you go, no, actually, they're really awesome. You know, at first pass, you might think the vocals are just kind of boring, but they're not. He's good. He was. He's not alive anymore, but... Um, <laughs> he's not alive anymore. Well, he's not. <laughs> well, I know, but you're like, he's not alive. Gus he's Chambers. No lo- he is no longer with us, sir. Um, but seriously, dude, Grip Inc. is awesome. And I do, I never hear about them. Like when they, when I remember getting Nemesis first mm-hmm. and I got Nemesis right when it came out. I got it from BMG in 97 because it was like, this is Dave Lombardo's new band. And I was like, all right. And I've always maintained that I like Dave Lombardo outside of Slayer more than I like him inside of Slayer. And that's not taking away anything he did with Slayer, and that's not even knocking Slayer. It's just when he was in Slayer, he did the Slayer drumming thing. Dude, when you listen to Dave Lombardo in Grip Inc., you don't think it, it's not – he's not playing like he did in Slayer. No, not at all. He grooves it's, more. It's not at all. 
You can kind of tell it's him because of some of his... He does some of his stuff, some of his little quirks you can hear. But on the other hand, like, he's not doing the Slayer thing. Like, just not. And it, they're, they're great albums. But I got Nemesis first. And then I got that Metal Blade DVD that had, you know, the King Diamond or the Merciful Fate video on it. Um, and it had the video for Ostracized. And that's when you and I watched it. We just, we couldn't stop laughing at it. Legions upon legions, because he's holding his vest open and he's like kind of dancing with it. It's it's as soon as he says legions upon, he like holds his jacket open, and we're just like, dude, what's he doing? (laughs) What? Just just again, we're not promoting it. Anybody who's listening to the show, go on YouTube, look up the song "Ostracized" by Grip Inc. from the album "Power of Inner Strength." Just look up the song "Ostracized" by Grip Inc. and you'll see what I mean. He goes legions upon legions, and he's like, I you can't see me. Like I'm I'm. I'm imitating it, but you can't see me because this is radio, not television. Um, but literally, he's holding his jacket open, and he's like, it's it's so funny. I mean, we have said for years that Rex and I, we always fixate, obsess over some tiny little thing. And all these years later, we – but no, so I did. I, I, had, I had Nemesis first. The DVD is what made me go back and get Power of Inner Strength. But they're both seriously cool records. And, and I mean, again, ostracized from the first one or like – Pathetic Liar, Portrait of Henry. These are War Between What. These are good songs. These are really good songs. And Dave's playing is unbelievably good. It surprises me. Like, and I mean, I know you liked them from years and years and years and years and years ago. But Dave did that whole syncopated thing that I know you're normally not a fan of. Yeah, I mean, I, I there, there's a difference. There's a difference to me. Like like dun 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 But even like even in like pathetic even like pathetic liar where it's like where it's like you know what I mean like yeah no 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 I I'm cool with that it's just I I get I don't do the syncopated the easiest way for me to say I don't do the syncopated thing is when it's the Fear Factory dun 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 you know it's just I just get bored I get bored real quick when literally the whole point of the drums is just have the bass player play exactly what the guitar player's right hand is doing and that's just all that's just just do that the whole song like there's a difference between the guitar and the drums locking in to follow like a groove I don't I'm I'm splitting hairs here but I agree with you but it's it in my head, it's it's quite different. That's that to me is just Dave and a guitar player, just like it, you know, making an awesome groove. I mean, I guess they're in sync. It's the same thing. Yes and no. Um, uh, but yeah, no. But I don't know, dude. I I I, I love it. I used to, I used to love like like um like the song Portrait of Henry. It's like super fast. Mm-hmm. Like it's a short song. Dude, I, I could play that on drum. I could, well, I'd have to get my chops back but i mean dude i, I could play that song in a second i mean, I, I i love i love a lot of these songs and like like dude like ostracized like that the the main drums of that song i used to warm up to that all the time it's just cool it's a they're cool damn records and i'm glad the vocals are the way they are which is weird because they're 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 not punk vocals he 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 looks like a punk vocalist they're not punk vocals at all but they're definitely just pretty straightforward. I mean, they're not. I don't by any means think that you're going to say the vocals on that record are outstanding at all. You might just say they're kind of passable. But I think if you listen to that record, you'll really go, 
No, I don't know, man. They're perfect for that record. Mm-hmm. They give that record character that it wouldn't have. And I and I think he I think he was great at it. I really do. I think I think their vocalist, and I can't think of his name. I think he knocked both albums out of the park. I mean he's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Love those albums. And admittedly, I, I mean, admittedly I'm not too familiar with their 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 later two, Solidified Incorporated, though. Oh, I don't um yeah, I forgot. I do forget they have other records. Sorry. You're you're right. I have hold on, I gotta look at what's I have one of actually physically have another one. It's um let me uh, I have physically legions upon legions. I, I I own Solidify. It's just not in my. Actually, that's a really good album too. I forgot about that entirely. Um, you know why? It's not in my iTunes. Um, I do not have Incorporated. I do have Solidify. I, I I'm sorry. I don't know why Solidify is not in my in my iTunes, and I forgot the record existed. So thank you for mentioning it. That album kicks ass too. Hell, I gotta go upstairs. If I can't, I gotta go upstairs and get my copy of the CD and 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 burn it, or and uh, and rip it into my iTunes because it's um, uh, it's a great album. But I, I, but admittedly, as I just showed you, I forget about it when I think of the band. I think of their first two albums for sure. And Gus Chambers was their vocalist's name. Um, who was who was awesome? I think he was awesome. I, yeah, I, he was. I um, I think uh. Really do. I think their first two records are just really, really. They're just, they're just good, man. I don't, I don't know how to. I don't. I better say they're just good. Um, you know, you know what's funny about Dave Lombardo? Look, I don't know anything about the guy personally, but it. One thing I've always found about Dave Lombardo is he's an easy guy to support. Meaning, who you he know seems likable. Well, that's the thing. He seems likable. A lot of times when he's raising concerns, like when he left Slayer the first time, I understood where he was coming from. When he left Slayer the second time, I certainly understood where he was coming from. He felt like he was being screwed out of money. Um, And I have i don't know, and other people might have, you know, and maybe, maybe I'm not looking hard enough, but I don't think there's many people out there who have a bad thing to say about Dave Lombardo. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of bad things about him. Like, you know, normally people talk trash in the press. Oh, this guy does this, or he's hard to work with, blah, blah, blah. But never seen it about Dave. Yeah, I've never seen that about Dave Lombardo. And he's one of those and, guys. And, he's like the go to guy like for like, dr- if you need a drummer, you're either going to call the Atomic Clock or you're going to call Dave Lombardo. And other bands like him, mm-hmm. meaning like on a personal level. That's other I mean. bands are friends with him, are friends with him. That's he, what I mean. Like you're you're like either gonna call guy. Gene Hoagland or you're gonna call Dave Lombardo. Like you're gonna call one of those two guys if you need a drummer on short notice. Um, yeah, I mean he's he's he's. He, I mean, there's a handful of those guys, and he's certainly one of them. And he's, but I mean, he brings a lot of weight. He brings a lot of weight too. Like like Paul Bostaff, you could call, you know Bostaff. I actually think is how he says it, but you can call him, and he would, you know, he would show up and and kick the living crap out of his drums. Dave Lombardo has a, you know, there, there, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of clout to his name because it doesn't matter if Paul played drums and Slayer longer than Dave did. I don't know if he did. I didn't do the math. Um, it doesn't matter how long Paul played versus Dave. Dave is the guy, you know, Dave will always be the guy. He's, he's, I mean, in fairness, He's probably the most generally respected drummer out of the big four. And that's simply because Charlie is way too often overlooked. 
But yeah, um, he, you know what I mean. Seriously, like he was the big. He's the out of those four bands. He was the drummer. In fairness, Nick Menza was. His, I mean, whatever. You can't really compare those guys. It's hard to compare Megadeth because they had like what four or five drummers right. over the I course. Mean, like it's it's hard to it's hard to compare. I mean, you could look at Gar- like key eras or whatever. Yeah, but Gar was amazing. Nick was amazing. But like when you're talking about the 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 powerhouse drummer, like it's Dave. I mean, and even though Charlie is equally, I mean, come on, they're both incredible drummers. I think Charlie and Dave are equal, but but different. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, they're very very. I mean, you can't compare the two. Right. Charlie is a Charlie is a Charlie is a very musical drummer. Right. He's a very musical drummer because he's a piano player. He's a guitar player. Um, which is probably why, like, in, as far as the, I always gravitated more to the way Charlie played because Charlie played more musically, where Dave plays more chaotic. It's, it's chaotic. It's kind of spastic. It's awesome. I mean, dude, take Slayer, take Dave Lombardo out of Slayer in the '80s. They wouldn't have been what they were. No, and and, and you can always say that about bands. You can say that about any band, really. You know what I mean? But what? I, but, but. I know that Carrie was the business guy. I know that Jeff wrote a lot of the song. I know all of that. But their sound doesn't work without Dave. No. In the 80s, their sound didn't work. It didn't work. Had they hired any other drummer, it would not have worked like it did. Because, because he was more chaotic. Because he was he was looser. You know, it wasn't like the drums in Exodus are well, tight as hell. That's the thing. Like he fit what Slayer way. was because the guitars, like half of Carrie King solos were like just jerking on the whammy bar while you hold a couple notes like Carrie always, you know, I mean, look, I I hate to sound like I'm taking a crap on the guy, but like, no, I don't really. But um, <laughs> I don't hate Carrie King, um, but you know, he would go up there and he he'd want to be known as this incredible guitar player, but all he would do is go wee 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 wee. You know, like that's well, what he would do most of the time. What what's funny to me too about about Dave Lombardo in Slayer, he had that very kind of chaotic. But way that's of the playing. thing; everything was chaotic, and so that that was my but, point. Talking about Carrie right, was they right, were like my, wailing on the right. whammy bars. He, <clears throat> Excuse me. He would be going off on toms and, and everything else. So, <laughs> well, no, I agree. But what what's interesting <sighs> to me about Dave Lombardo is that's what he did in Slayer. But that's what he did in Slayer. Right. He didn't do that in Testament. He didn't do dude, that. But he in- plays in Testament. Who Testament? Dude, Testament are metronome perfect. Testament is not a loosey goosey playing band. There's a reason why Gene Hoagland was in that band. Gene Hoagland is not a loosey goosey drummer. That I mean, he is actually. He plays very relaxed. He's a really relaxed drummer, actually. But he's the Atomic Clock. That guy is a flipping walking metronome. To play in Testament, you're not playing loosey. You're you're just not. T- Testament is a very, very precise and tight band. They just are. Very different than Slayer. Very different than Slayer. Again, it's not the kind of thing you would notice exactly, but it just it's just true. And then Grip Inc., he's doing all this like sometimes he's like super like groovy and in the pocket. Sometimes he's doing these crazy like fills and stuff. He's just 
He's a versatile drummer, man. The guy can do a lot, and he's really, really good. And uh, Grip Inc. to me, man. Yeah, again, sorry. I forgot about their third record. Um, the fourth I've never heard, but... Um, dude, that's crazy. I forgot that record. Damn it. I've got the CD upstairs. I, I totally own it. I gotta go pull it out. Um, but, excuse uh, me while I whip this excuse out. Excuse me while I whip this out. Um, yeah, God, cool. I gotta go... Man, now, see, I'm jonesing to go listen to that now. That's that's awesome. Forgot about it. But no, these records are both... I would I, I again the third one's cool, but I'll just say the first two. Like you want you want to just have some fun. Power of Inner Strength and Nemesis. They're just great albums. They're just great. They're fun. The drums are cool. The the guitars are cool. The, it's just cool. They're just cool. I don't know how to better say it. They're just cool records. So that, <clears throat> that for some reason you never talk they don't talk about it anymore. I know. I agree. And like why? Why so, why is it buried? I mean, I know that Gus is I know Gus is not alive. But Yeah. I don't know. So I will say this, and I know I know we're 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 nearing the end here. Um, but I, I started off the show, and I feel like I'd be a jerk if I didn't like. I started off the show talking about the album I bought, and this I didn't want to give it away. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And, we'll and, end with that one. That's and it's idea. not like I want to like ooh the sudden reveal. It's not like this is like the Easter egg. No, it's just we have AD, I have ADHD. It's just that we've gotten off track. But so a long time ago, you know. The album Rigor Mortis by Rigor Mortis was something that came on my radar, and I listened to it, and I really liked it. Um, I have not been able to find it on vinyl. Now, I have been able to find bootleg copies. I have a rule about my music collection, meaning I prefer not to buy bootleg copies. I don't care if you do. I'm not judging anybody who does. But I myself, with with certain exceptions, so I bought the Created to Kill demo by Cannibal Corpse on vinyl because why? It's never going to get an official release. It's never going to see the light of day except for on this vinyl. So I got it mostly because I'm a completion person and I, I wanted to listen to it on my stereo and my record player and everything else like that. So that's neither here nor there. Now, Rigor Mortis, I was in the record store the other day I went in looking for, like, they had a whole bunch of awesome vinyl on clearance, which I still might go and hit up this week. Um, and I look up on the wall, which, you know, so comic book and record fans know the wall. And what do I mean by the wall? That's where they keep all their, like, ooh, check this out, high dollar vinyl. Um, I look up on the wall and I'm like, oh, cool, they've got a couple Iron Maiden albums. Oh, my God, there's the first Rigor Mortis album. And I look at the price tag and I say to myself, that's high, and I and I do some research online because that's what you do, and I know stores don't like you to do it, but I don't care. If they want my money, they can earn it. And I'm like, that's actually a pretty good price, which later on I got home and I peeled off the price tag and found out they lowered it by $30 before I came in. So I bought the first Rigor Mortis album. I hadn't listened to it in a long time, a long time. Like I probably listened to it when I was early 2000s. You know, when I was like really when the Internet, you know, the Internet came into its own and I could actually go out and find this stuff because before you couldn't find the first rigor mortis album where we grew up, you couldn't find it. Like if you want, if you said, I want nothing more than to listen to rigor mortis, forget about it. You're not going to find it. Um, wait, wait. Could, could you say forget about it like you're from Jersey? Forget please. about it. Forget Thank about you. it. You're not going to find it. But I'm not Italian, so I can't be mad. Like I'm just saying, you can't live in Jersey and say forget about it. Just be like, why don't you forget well, about it? The fact I said it at all. Um, true, true. Anyway, true. so. so I, I love that scene in Donnie Brasco where he's like, what's forget about it mean? And he gives like all the different ways that you can use the same phrase. 
anyway, go on. Well, it's funny because when I switch my I switch my vernacular or whatever, depending on who I'm talking to. So occasionally, occasionally I'll start talking like this, and I'll be like, you know, forget about it, you know. And then occasionally I'll be like, hey, did you see that over there, eh? You know, I go back to Pennsylvania. Um, but it, anyways, but neither here nor there again. But uh, anyway, so I got the first rigor mortis album. I brought it home. I was so excited because I remember really loving the album. But, um, you know, I never had a copy of it because I and again, I really, really wanted an actual copy of it. And right. I put it on, and it's one of those albums, again, like Doomsday for the Deceiver, where you listen to it again, and you're like, holy crap, Like, why aren't more people listening to this? And Rigor Mortis is one of those bands that always gets brought up, meaning people will talk about Rigor Mortis. Why? Because they've got one of those quintessential death metal band names. Yeah, they do. Like Rigor Mortis. Well, yeah. And yes, I know they're more classified as thrash and speed metal, but if you listen to that 1980, at night, that first, that first album that came out in 1988... Um, and you really give it a listen, it's got those death metal roots. Like you can see connective tissue directly into Cannibal Corpse coming out of death a little bit. Now, were they influenced by death? I don't know. But going straight into to Obituary, going straight into Cannibal Corpse again, were those bands influenced by one another? I don't know. But you could see the bridge there. You could see how Rigor Mortis, while they maintain that thrash speed sound they had those death metal kind of roots. You know, like, they had, like, bodily dismemberments, the song Wizard of Gore. I mean, like, those are, those are, like, titles of songs that would be on death metal bands in the early 90s. So, you know, you can see that, that like, kind of trend. And this album, in my opinion, is one of those albums where you're like, oh, what are the quintessential, you know, late 80s, early 90s death metal bands? Oh, you got Death Scream, Bloody Gore, you got Leprosy, you got... You know, Eden back to life. You got slowly we rot. You got Deicide's first album. You got, you know, you got. Oh, but don't forget about Morbid Angel alters and you know. And and I'm thinking to myself like, but Rigor Mortis is one of those bands where if you say Rigor Mortis, everybody knows who you're talking about. But it's never like, oh, and don't forget about Rigor Mortis. At least right, not right. in anybody no, I've talked to. Like maybe maybe somebody's sitting out there and they've got their like you know rigor mortis T-shirt on and they're like, what are you talking about? Like I don't I would never not mention rigor mortis, but at the same time, like you don't ever yeah see you're probably them. talking to someone who's in the band. Well, but but that's what I mean. Like you know because you don't see them the like you like you very first said in the beginning of the episode. You don't see them brought to the table very often. Like as soon as you say, "Oh hey, how about Rigor Mortis?" Oh yeah, that album was awesome. That like, band. Dude, if they're at a festival, people are gonna go. Yeah, gonna like oh that album was awesome. And they weren't. But the thing is, they also weren't around for very long. Like you know, they were around eighty. You know, from no, eighty-eight to ninety-one, and their second album was not very well received. And then they showed up again in like you know the late two thousand, you know, like the twenty tens or whatever. But you know that first album, you know, the, their second album wasn't so good as you know. But their first album was like freaking amazing. Like I listened to it and I had to listen to it again because I'm like, I don't believe what I just heard. Like, and again, it wasn't that I'd never listened to it before. It's just now that I've had the exposure, because again, when I very first listened to it, it's when the, you know, the internet was in its infancy. Think about, for those of you who are in the know, so to speak, think about uh, what's Kazaa and Napster and Lime, I never Lime actually really yeah, used LimeWire, Lime but I, I knew about it. I think it was Kazaa that I used. Kazaa was the one that I first downloaded my 
very first ill-begotten tracks as a ignorant teenager with no money. Um, but this is before streaming. Like this is before you could pay ten bucks and have access to everything. So, you know, I listened to this album probably for the first time in 15, 20 years, and I was like, holy crap. Like, I had the same reaction I had to Doomsday to the Deceiver. I'm like, why don't more people listen to this? And since I've got it on vinyl and since I've listened to it, it's part of my regular rotation now. It's such a good album. And like I said, it's not so much that I don't feel like people know about Rigor Mortis because that's not true. It's I feel like when people talk about the origins of death metal and later thrash metal, I feel like they're so focused on Cannibal Corpse and Obituary and Deicide and Morbid Angel and Death and Testament and and all those other bands, you know, and Testament I'm using as a thrash metal band. And and I don't feel like they ever get brought up. Yes, it was only one album, but in my opinion, that album was like key. Like Right. No, I I, I don't disagree. And it's been a million years since I've heard it. Yeah, and I, I, and I recommend you listen to it because it, it, I listened to it once, and I'm like, I, again, the same Doomsday for the Seaver. Why the hell don't I listen to this more often? So, right. But that was the album I was talking about in the show, where in the beginning of the show, where I was like, you know, I went to the record store, and and literally, I listened to, like, I, I, I tend to, I, I usually forget my headphones, but I listened to a few minutes of it, and I'm like, oh, this sounds like something that I need to own. And I can't be, I cannot be, I cannot stress enough that you know, I'm happy I bought it. Like, you know, sometimes you walk out of a record store and you pay a little more than you want to for a record and you're like, ugh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I brought it home and listened to it and I said, worth every penny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't disagree at all. So. I but, disagree, yeah. I mean, and like I said, there's a, there's a million other ones we could talk about, but. Oh, I mean, I have you know, a whole list of like 30 albums and that was only me skimming my iTunes for a minute. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so maybe we'll revisit this again sometime. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's one of those floating topics where it's just it's kind of, you know, there there's, it's always there, you know, it, it's it's always there for things that, um, that that we can come back to and talk about. So, yeah, it's fun. I mean, I always I always love picking up records that are, or talking about records, and some of them we might have talked about. But actually, I don't think most of these are ones we spent a lot of time on. I mean, I, I know we've we've talked about, um. Grip Inc. and I know there's stuff we've talked about in the past. There's stuff we've mentioned in bands we've talked about, but I don't think any of the albums, maybe Flotsam and Jetsam being the exception. Yeah, but even then, we don't mention it very often. Uh, Yeah, I I think that, you know, a lot of these are relatively new. If nothing else, it might serve just as a, like, if I was listening to this show, I'd be like, oh, yeah, crap, I haven't listened to that in a while. I'm going to put it on. And and that's what it is. Like, you know, half the time when I, like with Rigor Mortis, I came across it at the record store and I was like, oh, I haven't listened to that in 20 years. Wonder and and then I bought it and brought it home and now I'm like holy crap this is now part of my regular rotation you know yeah yeah no yeah and 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 agreed like like a lot of those records were ones that should be part of your regular rotation I mean Flotsam and Jetsam Doomsaver the Seaver should be you know it should be on the ten the 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 ten thrash albums or whatever you know the ten thrash albums you need to own well it should be on there because it's it's that good it is really that good and the only complaint you might have is that yeah they have a singer. Not, you know, just some guy who yells a lot. Um, his voice has character. I think he's awesome. You might not like it, but you know. Anyway, um, well, hey, uh, you know, we're 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 hitting the three hour mark. I don't know where we are exactly, but 
Uh, we've been at this for a little while. I got to go. Play. Up, yeah, I want to go upstairs and make a sandwich. And um, <laughs> really, that's it. I just want to go make a sandwich and uh, put some models together because I got a new. I got a whole big pile, dude. I got so many models in. Dude, did I mean, you so paint? Did you paint the fatties yet? I started. I I I put I I primed them and and started slapping some paint on it. But I just haven't been. Um, you I don't prime, paint. You I'll, primed a fatty. Yeah, I don't. I don't paint <laughs> very much during the winter because it's colder in my basement, <laughs> which is where I, where I paint. Um, well, it's just it's just harder to it's harder to sit down here for a long time. And when I paint, I often zone out for like hours and hours at a time, and so I just don't. But I I got the new box of World Hammer, uh, Warhammer the Old World, where um, they're basically bringing back legit Warhammer fantasy. Um, for those of you Warhammer fans, there's been Warhammer Age of Sig- Sigmar, which is kind of like fantasy, but it's not. Um, they're basically bringing back Warhammer fantasy in a new way, um, and it's complicated and awesome, and I and I and I can't wait to, to dive into it. But they brought two armies. One is uh, the Tomb Kings, um, which I have no interest in, and the other is Bretonia, who our old vocalist was a. Uh, he he always played Bretonia back in the. Um, Back in the uh, old Warhammer Fantasy days, they're the, you know, they're they're the, um, yeah, they're they're the total like old school knights, and um, it's very him in every way. the The team that I liked was the vampire, or like the vampire counts or the undead army, and they're not really bringing that back. So, if you still if you have the old armies, you can play them. But eh, anyway, but I've got that I got the Bretonia box because I'm just I don't know, man, A change of pace, something different to paint. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a try, see how I feel about painting them. I don't know. We'll we'll find out. But that's what I'm gonna be doing in the next week. I'm gonna be on the road, traveling. I will be on the other side of the country for, or halfway across the country for most of next week. Um, but I I have all plans to be back uh, in time to record the show next weekend. So we, you know, provided I don't get like really sick or whatever, behind on work or something because of my travels, we should be here. Lots of fun. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for listening. My name is Duff. My name is Rex. And we will see you next week on another episode of the Heavy Metal Hand. Congratulations for actually making it all the way through this episode of the Heavy Metal Hangover. With your beer-guzzling, head-banging hosts, Rex and Duff. <laughs>